0: cinema oddities, late night movies with rob and zach this is a podcast about cinematic oddities where we discuss any media that is too bizarre normal or off kilter for contemporary audiences occasionally these projects gel most times they crash hard into the realm of obscurity join us as we delve into the cult classic swamp i'm zach and i like redheads too now
1: that might not be the best quote to open up this episode with, but um I I just saw this movie in theaters. I I didn't I, I kinda glazed over almost immediately and wasn't paying attention for the good, you know, quotes to start this with. And also, like, the people in my theater got mad at me because ten minutes after the lights went down, they were like, Please shut your laptop off. So I have no notes for this episode. <laughs> um but that was the quote I remembered, so that's what we're going with. Oh, Zach, here we are again. Hopefully, for the last time to discuss a dinosaur movie, right? Hopefully. <laughs> oh,
0: you. It's weird how they sold this as the quote last one, yet. This felt more like an anthology film. Like it felt like just like a chapter in like the book of dinosaurs.
1: Definitely. Definitely. I, I would say it wasn't even really about dinosaurs.
0: <laughs> it was a book about bugs. It was a – Right. It had, had more in common with a biblical plagues than it did dinosaur movies.
1: Yeah. I have to say like right off the bat, I, I did not watch any like trailers for this. I, I mean I saw the teasers and stuff and I would see the first five seconds of when an ad would play on YouTube and – so I went into this pretty much blind, other than knowing that it was, uh, you know, the madman himself, Colin Trevorrow, um, and then we were getting everybody from the entire franchise back. I was kind of completely blindsided by the entire, oh, the world is going to end because of giant locusts plot.
0: <laughs> I had it's, no it's idea rather, that was happening. <laughs> it's a rather fascinating, oh, God. It's. What the entire like meat of the plot like that? That's the plot. Like the dinosaurs just feel like an afterthought. It's kind of that notion of I think they've realized they've kind of run the dinosaurs run amok thing Mm -hmm. into the ground. So it's like, what else do you do than other than? Yeah, the dinosaurs just come in the background, which is literally what happens in a sequence in Malta where there's just dinosaurs in the background and it's just like a chase amongst people and the dinosaurs are just kind of thrown in for good measure.
1: Yes, it is the, uh, you're, you're speaking of the uh, shot-for-shot remake of Gemini Man that uh, Colin Trevorrow pulled off in this movie.
0: <laughs> Weird to think that we're at a place where Gemini Man is somehow more mentally stimulating than a dinosaur movie.
1: Oh, God. And that movie was about bugs, too, or kind of, because the only way they knew Will Smith and Will Smith knew they were the same person because they were both allergic to bees um and that's an if and only if you know if two people are allergic to bees they are the same person but uh, i mm. mean enough mm. about enough about gamini man oh i mean zach this uh, this movie i mean how do we want to start this do we want to talk overall thoughts do we want to talk theater going experiences because we both just saw it yesterday how do we want to break this down
0: Well, of course we have to delve into theater-going experiences because uh, I kind of teased this to Rob before we started recording, but I saw this in the infamous, infamous Avengers Endgame theater, the – oh, good lord, uh, cornerstone of just Zach's movie-going experience for roughly 20 years. And I've always said that and it's a joke even with Zenger. Zenger makes it almost more of a joke than I do now. And that anytime I go see a movie, something has to go wrong. Like it's one of those things where it's the equivalent of like stepping on a crack, except when it comes to movie going experiences and it lasts uh, twenty years. (laughs) Yeah. So, OK, a little bit of context for this. So uh, as Rob knows, my – I think it's in what? The Avengers Endgame series, the, quote, big theater conundrum where like if I'm going to go see a movie at the, at the Ghanuria, I have to see it in the big theater. Otherwise, like why am I going to the movies? Mm-hmm. So obviously I look up what theater it's playing, blah, blah, blah. And so like a couple days beforehand, I'm like – just because of work schedules, availability, I'm like I have to see this like, on a Saturday, which is – oh, good lord, like – it's heresy to me seeing a movie on a, <laughs> on a opening like weekend, it not being like Friday morning or something of that sort. So I'm like, I was thinking about it the night before and I'm like, I'm sorry, two nights before. So like Friday afternoon, I go to the theater cause I still have gift cards. I'm almost running out of gift cards, Rob, going back to the infamous movie voucher okay. story. I'm almost running out of gift cards, but I still have some. And so I go there and I'm like, hi, can I have like two tickets for the four 30 showing these seats? Okay, sure. No problem. OK, get to the theater beforehand. And of course, I saw this movie with Rachel and uh, the update. Rachel still has not watched the killer cut of Candyman. Okay. We are still waiting on that. I am on pins and needles every single time I talk to her. Like, Did you finally get to that? And she uh, disappoints me continually with saying no. So we walk into the theater, and again, Rob's seen this lobby, and I, I've never seen the Ganiaria do this before. But they decorated the entire lobby for Jurassic World.
1: Oh wow!
0: Like I'm not kidding you. Like they went, and they must have spent like fifty plus dollars on like fake like leaves and stuff to make it look like one of the like tropical areas. They took the like they covered the pillars like in fake like cardboard to make it look like stone. Like they went all out. Like they ha- they put signs up everywhere like don't feed the dinos. They had like like back in the day their extent of decorating the lobby was like putting like a stuffed animal from Build-a-Bear like in the <laughs> window. Like that was their equivalent like again somebody spent 30 bucks at Build-a-Bear and they got a stuffed animal out of it. And but like I mean like in like relative to what that is the Build-a-Bear, so much effort decorating the lobby to the point where like there was one cashier that was wearing both a Jurassic Park t-shirt and a Jurassic Park denim like jacket Ooh. like I, yeah exactly Ooh. Ooh. so yeah. was this
1: just in in the lobby of them like this wasn't yes. outside of the movie theater no. so you had to actually have already been in the movie theater to see it is what you're saying Well,
0: the lobby where, where the concession stand is yeah, like, you, yeah. Don't have to, you don't you don't have to purchase a ticket but it, it's one of those things where you have to f- walk in like they even painted like the glass Like, with that, like, make it look like dinosaurs. Like, sometimes places do that for, like, holidays. Like, they'll do, like... I mean, they went all out in a way that I have never seen. Yeah, yeah. Because I'm I'm just kind of
1: thinking, like, what is the purpose of that? Because I, I could get it if it was, like, somewhere else in the mall, and you're walking by, and you're like, oh, that new dinosaurs movie out, maybe we should go see it. But this marketing tactic seems like you're already going to see it if you're you're viewing these decorations or you're going to see something else. I don't know what's out right now. Um, Like you're going to see, I don't know.
0: Top Gun or Doctor Strange, that's uh, it. You're going to see Crimes
1: of the Future, Cronenberg's Crimes of the Future, and you see all these decorations. You go, huh, maybe I'll go see the dinosaur movie instead. That just seems so weird that they go all out and it's not even really I, like a marketing tactic.
0: I don't think it's a marketing tactic. I think either somebody in charge or the collective group, based on the person wearing the T-shirt, were excited about this. So
1: like it's it for feels more like morale or something like that. Yeah,
0: like exactly. <laughs> like it was a level of participation and effort that I've never seen in that theater before. But little did I know that this would all be for naught because when it comes to competence, ooh. Ooh. So obviously, because uh, get get concessions, go down to ticket taker. I'm not sure if Rob remembers the ticket taker, not the black guy from the Avengers Endgame series, but there's the very heavy set Italian stereotype guy.
1: <laughs> okay, I don't think I remember him. Okay,
0: he's been working there since when Sal and I used to go there all oh, the wow, time. Okay. Like so we're talking 15 plus years now. Um, Lord help him for literally having the exact same job 15 years later. Um, I guess when it comes to cushy gigs just sitting there ripping stubs or now just scanning uh qr codes
1: yeah yeah
0: (laughs) it only gets easier from there so what happens is and rob's gonna love this is that like like he's there like tearing ticket stubs and scanning qr codes but there's a what i can only assume is still one of the assistant managers and i know because this is one of the people who rejected me during the movie voucher story Mm -hmm. so obviously my blood is boiling because like all those memories keep flooding back to me like it was just the like all those like Things that are subtle, buried, or just coming right back to the forefront, and so he rips the ticket stub in half and he goes Feeder fifteen. He gives the seat numbers. Enjoy the show. Okay, so I like, go walk up like to the where the theater is, and I realize that the little like like marquee outside the theater, the LED board says Jurassic World three pm. Look at my watch, and it's like four fifteen, mm-hmm. and my ticket says four thirty theater fifteen. I'm kind of doing one of these, like, like it, it, it's me, right? Sure. And if it weren't for the fact that there was two employees waiting to clean Theater Sixteen right next to it, I look at them, and I go, "What am I missing here?" And they look, they look at my ticket stub, they look at the thing, they're like, "Huh?" They must have moved the theaters around for showings. Ah. Uh... I go, "What?" And they're like, yeah, they must have uh, – we are having some issues with Theater 14. So they had to like rearrange the, – they had to like maneuver around like all the times. And I'm like <sighs> – I'm like, OK. Like this, this is good. Like, again, as Rob knows yeah. how seriously I take the big theater thing. Like this is going to be an issue. So I go back and like the, the Italian stereotype man is like – he has – like I go up to him and I'm like, Theater 15, like what's going on here? He has no idea what I'm talking about. But manager ladies there, and she's like, and she overheard him when he told us the location and the t- and like this, mm-hmm. and she's like, yeah, I figured you guys would be back. It's like, oh god, what, 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 what did you think we were going to do? Yeah. Like, walk into a movie that was already an hour and fifteen minutes in progress? Was this gonna be the Expendables all over again, where you just <laughs> thought we would just walk into a movie halfway through? And she's like, yeah, we haven't, we had an issue with theater fourteen this morning, and we had to rearrange the show times. And I'm like, well, I kind of wanted the big theater. I'm like, 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 that's why I come here is because I want that thing. Like most of the other theaters are smaller. Mm-hmm. She's like, well, I can get you here for theater 16. It's only a slightly smaller screen. And it's like, I know, I know what your theaters are. You have two. And I'm like, I'm like, okay. And obviously, because Rachel, for some reason, was very excited to see this. Because I, I guess I've built up hype that I hate these movies so much now. <laughs> so there's this weird sort of like, like anti-hype for her. And so she's like, well, I'll, I'll just like, I'll get you things for theater 16, like the showings at five. And I'm like, whatever. I'm like, I, I, I don't care. And so I'm sitting there and I'm like, I'm talking to Italian stereotype, man. I'm like, what happened to theater 14? And he's like, yeah, the bulb exploded this morning. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm just like, and like, you know me, I'm like. Please elaborate. Yeah, <laughs> he's like, yeah, like when like you used to back in the day, you could just like open the projector and like replace the bulb, but like now you have to like literally get this very specific mechanism that like takes the bulb out. And when they were doing that, the bulb exploded. So like the feeder is completely out of commission until they get this fixed. And it's like, oh. <laughs> <laughs> and he's like look at all this paperwork because like i guess people purchase tickets on fandango Mm -hmm. so they literally had five pieces of paper stapled together i guess of all the showings from the weekend where people did like fandango whatever like regal cinemas.com of how they were going to rearrange all this and i guess by me printing or buying a physical ticket in advance the theater completely threw that out of whack um part of me wonders now that like are we going to come to a point where you cannot buy tickets at the theater anymore? Mm. Like, is this going to be like like a musical concert or like like a football, like a sporting event where you just cannot buy tickets at the at the thing anymore? It's going to yeah, be yeah. yeah, we can't sell you tickets. You have to go onto the app to do that. Like, it feels like that's what we're trending towards with movies. Sure, like they have like no interest in selling you tickets at the theater, um, just because it's it's that thing of they want to know in advance who how many people are buying tickets exactly for, yeah. for whether it be staffing. Concessions being stocked, um, whatever. So we go to Theater 16. And of course, it's it's a dinky theater. And she got us the seats and the nosebleeds all the way in the back, the antithesis to me being in the center of the theater. So I'm automatically mad about this. And I'm like, well, what I'll do – I've done it before. I did it when they first implemented uh, reserve seating with Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. I just sat there, waited until like 15 minutes after the movie started. You can check the uh, the seating arrangements. And I just sat – and then like what happened was by that time – like the feeder was almost like at least half, if not two thirds full. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, I'm not going to do this now. And so I'm stuck all the way in the nosebleeds where like I could have like probably gotten a better image sitting at home watching a torrent of this.
1: Oh, okay. And I'm just
0: like, it was that level. I'm like, why am I again outside the fact I have a girlfriend that enjoys my misery? It's like, w- what is the point of any of this? And then, of course sitting in the back you know that's where all the burnouts sit burnouts (laughs) sit exclusively in the back row so i get a bunch of dude bros that proceed to sit right next to me and it's like are you kidding me right now and the whole time they're just like like mouthing off at this like the previews and thank god that like during like one of the last previews grandma and grandpa I, i i guessed like bought tickets and they're like you're sitting in our seats and they're like oh we just can't sit where we want Oh, God. <laughs> and so they proceeded to sit in the row right in front of where where we all were. And so – and the whole time I'm just like, I hate this movie theater so goddamn yep. much. Yep. Like it's getting to the point where I, we've joked about it before when it comes to Danbury and how like me driving 45 minutes each way for a movie. At least there I can have my IMAX theater and I don't – think about it. It cost $15 for a five, 4.30 showing at the Ganyaria. Mm-hmm. An IMAX ticket is $19 in Danbury.
1: Yeah, I mean, that's not the worst
0: difference. It's like, difference, it's like again, g- gas prices and mileage aside, it's like there is nothing at the Galleria that is the elevated experience. Yeah,
1: exactly. It's there.
0: It's the equivalent of there's nothing else. There's that in the Roosevelt.
1: Sure, sure.
0: So, yes, Rob, the Galleria somehow – Oh god, my expectations were rock bottom, <laughs> but fuck, somehow they got it even lower.
1: Never disappoints on how bad it can be. No, right?
0: yeah. No. <laughs> that place. Just when you think they've somehow figured out how to screw me over every single way, sometimes somehow they found another way. Much like in Jurassic World, somehow screwing over Zach finds a way.
1: Yes, yes, exactly. Uh, well, I I saw this yesterday as well. I saw it a little earlier. I think I was, like it had like a 120, 115 or one twenty showing. I went to. Um, I, uh, I I knew I was doing stuff earlier, and I guess I should start this way, because on Friday I was like, okay, i got to go see this on Saturday so, like, Zach and I can talk about it on Sunday. And um, I knew I had stuff to do Saturday morning. I wasn't sure exactly how long it was going to take, so I was, on Friday night I was trying to look at the, uh, the theaters and, and, like, times on Fandango, and I was like, I don't want to go to one that's too crowded or, you know, anything like that. And um, I've never seen this before, but I was on Fandango at it was the day of so it was past midnight so it was friday night but technically saturday and it had to be like 12:15 a.m. or something and i'm on the fandango app and i'm looking at the theater i usually go to and all the times are grayed out like you like and i'm like oh i'm like are these all sold out like that's crazy cuz even the like open caption one was was grayed out and I click on one of them just to see what it says, and it's like, this showing has already ended. You can't buy tickets for it.
0: Oh, it was doing the the day before. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I've seen that.
1: Okay, I had never seen it before, but I was like, okay, I guess I'm not going to that theater. So I look at another <laughs> theater in, in Fort Collins, and and I find that one, and I'm like, okay, I don't really know – and none of them are sold out. None of them seem too crowded except like the, the later in the day ones. And I was like, if I can catch an afternoon one, that'll be fine. I do my stuff on Saturday morning. It ends around like 11 o'clock. I go on Fandango. I find a time at one twenty. I find a, 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 a theater that's, um, you know, kind of not too full. I get my seat kind of right in the middle, kind of the seat you wanted Zach. And like no one else was around me. Mm. Um, and it just kind of worked out perfectly. You know, I ate a shower I headed over there. Um, I got there. No one sat next to me. I was dead center. It it turned out to be a huge theater. It was very loud, which I I thoroughly enjoyed because I love loud things. Um... And in terms of uh, my theater-going experience and my audience, I'd say it was about seventy-five percent full. You know, um, some people were near me, but not like you know directly next to me. Um, I'm glad you mentioned someone who was like, "Those are our seats," because that happened in my theater behind me as well. Someone was like, "I think you're in my seat," and the person sitting there was like, "How do you tell which seats which?" And he didn't say it in a questioning way. He said it in, like, a defensive way. Like, yeah. that. like yep. how, do you, how yep. do you know what seats what? And the person, like, is, like, it's like, on the, it's, like, on the seat. And must have pointed or shown them. The person's like, oh, okay, and gets up. And so that happened. Um, the theater, for the most part, I'm sure as we go through the movie, I'll talk, we'll talk about the reactions of the, of the audience to the actual movie. But I did want to mention the, uh, the negative uh, thing in the audience that happened, the most negative for me, was before the movie started. And it was when um, Maria Menounos was finishing up (gasps) Nuvi. And so at the end of her Nuvi thing, you know, she says she does her whole spiel where she's like, you know, oh, thanks for watching and checking out our content. You should come follow me on Instagram or follow Nuvi on Instagram and listen to my podcast, which is something, something with Maria Menounos. And after every sentence, Maria Menounos said someone in the theater who had to be close to me, I couldn't tell exactly where just kept saying, like, Maria Menounos would be like, thanks for enjoying Nuvi, and the person was like, I didn't. And then someone, and Maria Menounos would say, like, come follow me on Instagram, I won't. Come follow me on Twitter, I won't. And it's like, you know, listen to my podcast, never going to do that. And I really wanted to be like, don't talk back to Maria Menounos. But I didn't. But I it actually made me upset because I'm like – that's a that's a joke. It's a joke that I've done before. I mean, very, I think, famously, the Alice in Wonderland. You know, that was funny. <laughs> no, it wasn't. Or I disagree, <laughs> or that type of thing. But I, I was just like, you don't talk back to Maria Menounos. And uh, I was very upset about that. But then there was 80,000 minutes of trailers. Um, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I think three of them were for the new Minions movie. Uh, and then the movie started. <laughs>
0: Yeah, that sounds about right. I will say that as somebody who saw, I did see Top Gun: Maverick in IMAX, okay, and and like that was a definition of like a boomer theater where like half the audience like age was above like fifty five, sure. and somebody was sitting in my seat, and I'm like, like at this point, like back in the day, that would have just like my blood would have boiled, and like again, they're boomers, like they're easily sixty. I'm like, yeah, you're in my seat, get out. It's mm-hmm. like it's like I don't even hesitate anymore. And that's the thing about reserve seating, I guess, now that, like, like, think about it. Like, all that was implemented back in, like, what, mid to late 2019? And so it never really had a chance to percolate with, like, non moviegoers Because sure. by that, by, by what, February, March, like, movie theaters were shut down. So it's kind of fascinating to think that, like, what, two and a half, if not three years later, we're finally starting to see how, like, dummies – understand reserve seating (laughs) yeah yeah which doesn't seem like a very what steep like learning curve but it seems like it is like it seems like people cannot wrap their head around the idea like oh this thing that i purchased with an explicit number is what i have to do what five to six minutes later
1: right that's exactly what i think like the only way you don't you can't, the only way you physically can't know that you have a reserved seat is if somebody else bought the ticket for you. Like when you buy them online, it makes you choose your seat. When you buy them at the theater, like when we went to Candyman, you have to choose your seat. So it's like, how do you not know? You're just like, okay, yeah, I'm just hitting a button, whatever. This means nothing. And it's like, what, what do you think? It's like, they're the same people who buy like a a desk or like a dresser from Ikea or Walmart that you have to assemble. And when they're done, they have like Three screws left over and they go, huh, they gave me extra screws. I don't need these. And it's like, no, you fucked up. You're an idiot for (laughs) thinking
0: that. It it has to be that. It has to be people just being careless and just being like, "Yeah, yeah, it doesn't matter. Um I don't know. also I think they're playing bingo, whichever comes first.
1: Right. Um, right but yeah, that's Ooh, I made a de-
0: line, you know. <laughs> pretty much. I know, right? It's a Timmy Turner, Fairly Odd Parents. Like Timmy, how'd you get an A on the test? I drew a cat. <laughs> yeah.
1: Was the was the last trailer before the start of your movie, uh, like a little short of minions standing on top of a building, and they're like trying to get their voices to echo, and then it turns out that they're like yelling at a dinosaur. Was that? No, no. That, no, that no. was the last. It went on. I got a so minions trailer. Long. We got we a had Minions a,
0: trailer. We had a, by, a Minions it's them trying trailer. trying to land the plane.
1: Uh, yes, so we got that trailer, which was like pure chaos, and I think it's a war crime to play a Beastie Boys sabotage in a yeah, Minions yep, trailer. Yep, um, yep. but yeah, the last thing before this started, my movie started. I saw it at a Cinemark, so I don't know if that it might it probably is you know chain specific or something. But it was like two Minions standing somewhere, and they're like screaming out into the distance. And they're trying to, like, get their voice to echo, and, like, one of them does it, the next one, like, fails, and the other one's like, no, you have to do it louder, or, that's what you gather, because minions speak, you know, like, some bastardization of Yiddish, it seems. And, you know, (laughs) like, this minion, like, screams into the thing, and it comes back with a big roar, and it, like, pans out, and it turns out that the minions are standing on this building, And it's like there's a dinosaur there, like a T-Rex, you know, and the T-Rex and the Minions just kind of stare at each other and it hangs for way too long. And then it like cuts to a screen with text and the screen says, like, enjoy Jurassic World Dominion. We'll see you again soon for Minions, the Rise of Gru, whatever that movie's called. And Mm -hmm. it was just very strange. I had never really seen anything like that, you know, where they were like, enjoy this movie, but you better be back for this or else, you know.
0: (laughs) That's the previews for this were kind of all over the place. The first one, which is becoming kind of like a low-key obsession of mine, is the the racist Buzz Lightyear oh, trailer. Oh, yeah. yeah. we got where that Where I'm just – like that I'm slowly becoming intrigued by because it actually seems like they're doing – it's not different, but it seems like Pixar is at least trying to go outside the playground of just the emotional manipulation. Like they're, they're venturing beyond the Bambi zone. Sure. And don't get me wrong. They're, they're going to do their normal shtick. It's just buried a little bit deeper. But like we got – that was our like I think second trailer. Um. For a PG thirteen movie, the trailers were kind of all over the place. Like we got Buzz Lightyear, um, we got Minions. The one trailer that I just want to touch about briefly was the new George Miller film with Idris Elba as oh, a genie. Oh,
1: I didn't get that one. That sucks. That was I want to see that trailer. Okay. That
0: hadn't even that movie, I don't know how, did not even blip on my radar as like a movie fan. And I'm watching this and like Rachel started laughing because my jaw was dropping. I'm like, this this I'm like, A George Miller has made a new film. Because all I keep hearing about is how he ca- cast uh, what's her name, uh, the, the the space between our stars of our yes, eyes yes. as Furiosa, and I'm like, he actually made a movie, and it kind of looks bonkers. Yeah, what it's, like, it's,
1: it's three three thousand years of longing. I've been reading about it. I think. Yeah, Something it looks like it that, looks
0: yeah. interesting, and I'm just like, like, does this happen still? Like seeing like movies advertised in theaters and it being a novel experience. I'm like, this this has to be wrong. I'm <laughs> like, where's the minion? There should be a minion in the corner somewhere. Exactly. Where's Steve Carell? Um, no, like that was, like I guess, a very weird like trailers. Like, like I expected. Oh, God, I expected Thor, no Thor trailer. Oh, there was a trailer for Nope and Bullet Train. There yes, was yes,
1: that. we got we got Nope and Bullet Train. And I'm glad you actually mentioned trailers all over the place because the Minions trailer played, and right after it was the Nope trailer. And it was like mm-hmm. whiplash, you know? Um, but we did get the Thor trailer. Um, trailer, so I think that I we didn't get the George Miller, but got the Thor. So that's probably was that seems to be our yeah. Difference.
0: I didn't. I, yeah, like I said that, that's the thing because I, again, I guess it's Thor because it's coming out in a couple weeks. Mm-hmm. Um, but again, like it feels like again they they this much like the trailers for this film and the film itself. I don't think it knows what kind of a movie it's trying to be. Like imagine trying to program the marketing around yeah, this. Yeah, like who who is this movie trying to? entice and and again like any sort of good Colin trevaro film nobody exactly (laughs) like who is this for and the answer is nobody a hard nobody
1: I'm, i'm with you i'm with you i do want to mention that the um the the trailer for nope that played was one i had not seen before i'd seen the uh, the first yeah, one, new one like twice it's a new one
0: yeah yeah and nope.
1: now now i'm a little more i hated that first trailer because it showed nothing and it was just like you know i'm like is this going to be like like you've been like we've been saying for a while now the m night shyamalan thing of like he's well, going to get away with showing nothing and people are just going to go and grovel at his feet you know and stuff like well that. have
0: you have you heard what the leaks like not, nothing specific but more just from what i've heard about nope is that they are Doing it apparently, from what I've heard, and this is like going back to like why I used to do the raw back in 2013, is that it's apparently a competently made film. Like mm-hmm. it is, it's it's not the it's not the get out, it's not the thing, it's it's not social justice film. Um, the problem is that they're mismarketing it, from what I've heard, because I've said oh, they're okay. from what I've read, they're selling this as signs, but in reality, it's tremors. And I'm like Jordan Peele doing like like oh god monster schlock i'm like that that i can get on board with like if he's if he's able to learn to peel away the social message or at least make it a little more veiled like that'd be phenomenal for him like if he actually like learned lessons from the twilight zone
1: sure sure which i I don't think
0: he's capable of but
1: exactly no i'm definitely like i said i I did not like that first trailer this the second one i'm much more interested in because it actually had something you know it said something rather than God, that first, the first time I saw that trailer, the, 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 uh, the teaser, I guess it would be, was before the Batman, and it was, like, incomprehensibly dark, you know? Like, I could not understand mm. anything that I was seeing uh, except the big white letters that would show up on screen. Um, this trailer made it look a little more interesting, and so, you know—I mean, I'm going to see it because I'm interested in Jordan Peele, um, but it, at least this trailer gave me something, finally—
0: Yeah, like I said, from from what I'm hearing about Nope is that it's again nothing about like its commercial prospects, but it seems like he's trying to do something different.
1: Okay, okay, well that's good. That's good. That's that's at least you know it it gives me some you know hope that I'll be some semblance of a relief. Yeah, exactly.
0: (laughs) But yeah, the trailers, like I said, the trailers for this were all over the place. The point where like I just like, even in my theater for this, there was no, like, for a Saturday, what, five o'clock, which is by no means late, mm-hmm. there were no kids in the theater. And okay, I'm just like, okay. is, is like, is this a thing that kids just don't care about anymore? Like, like have they poisoned the well enough after uh, Fallen Kingdom that nobody cares?
1: <laughs> sure. My theater had a good bit of, it was a good smattering of, like, all ages. Definitely some kids, you know, like, as I was sitting there, saw some kids walk in with, like, Jurassic Park t-shirts on and stuff like that. Um, but then there was, you know, the, the older crowd and, and some teenagers and stuff. So it was kind of all over the place.
0: Yeah, it, it, it's one of those things where it, it, it I, I'm kind of dying to know what, like, there really isn't There was really no hype for this movie. Like the hype was non-existent in that like – it was just like – it felt like the equivalent of going for a colonoscopy. Like, yeah, I have to do it. Like I'm not excited (laughs) about it, but I have to.
1: That's definitely how I felt for sure.
0: (laughs) But that's the thing. Like It's weird to think – it reminds me of like Transformers 3. Like it reminded me a lot of that where it's just like, yeah, I have to go see it. Like I saw the last one. (laughs) Yeah, And It feels like if they were to make a fourth one, then it's going to crater on them.
1: Okay, I could, yeah, I could see that. I mean, definitely also because uh, there's just nowhere to, like, where else do you go? I mean, I feel like they had a clear oh, places. Well, They've I mean, expo- there's they're... definitely places, but I mean, the the thing is, like, the clear setup from the end of um, uh, Dinosaur Boogaloo, the last one, seemed to like barely matter in this movie. Like, like the whole din, like the dinosaurs, like we were saying, do not matter in this movie.
0: Well, and I think the dinosaurs – I think they're trying to transition the franchise away from that. I think they want the dinosaurs to be a backdrop. So I think – because again, think about it. After Fallen Kingdom, really the only thing you can do with this franchise is Planet of the Apes. Sure, sure. And that's – and it's like, y- like we've seen that before and the Planet of the Apes films were never successful.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: And that's the problem is that like that was the the conclusion from Fallen Kingdom and I think they probably looked at that and they decided there was no profitability there.
1: Gotcha, got, Okay, I see what you're saying. I see what you're saying. Yeah, and like I was also this whole plot of this movie kind of, you know, was hit me out of left field. Like I totally did not expect it. Um It was it was very I mean, it wasn't good. I wasn't like, oh, wow, this is different. I mean, I still have a lot of problems with this movie, which I know we'll get into. Um, But it's just it was kind of like so surprising to me. I thought we were going to have full on like what was that short that I think you said you saw the battle at Camp Rock or whatever it is. That short like 11 minute thing about dinosaurs in some national park or something like that and people poaching them. Like I thought we were going to get a bunch of that, and that's really only what the very beginning of the movie, yep. and then little yep. the little um, black market thing that doesn't really matter, you know, in the in the Malta scene.
0: Well, that's yes, that's that's the thing is that the first like newsreel clip of this film like in the beginning i was peeing my pants laughing i'm like yes i'm like yes we're getting this like we have like a dinosaur eating garbage next to like railroad tracks and i'm like yes i'm like i want this please and you see all the stuff that's like they have a little like cnbc poll and it's like percentage of people like how to handle dinosaurs (laughs) and a little percentage bar that says just kill them gross yeah yes i'm like "This this is book of hank level i'm like and then, like, the movie does not even go near that. Like, the issue of these dinosaurs just being, like, a weird, like, tsetse fly problem on society is never really addressed after there again.
1: Yep, yep, exactly. Except for
0: the last, what, 30-second montage at the end?
1: Yeah, and that that is one of the things that confused me the most because movie starts and it's like, holy shit, you know, humans and dinosaurs – or dinosaurs into, like, the human ecosystem and just, like, the Earth ecosystem with all the other animals. It's messing things up. Like, nobody knows how to handle it. Like, there's a whole new division of the CIA that's looking into this stuff. And, like you said, this whole, like, opening exposition montage. And then, a plague of comes up. Whole movie's about, you know, the end of the world and how B.D. Wong has to, you know, save the world. And we have to stop Campbell Scott from, you know, being a weirdo, I guess. And then the last 30 seconds is, like... Oh, they just work. The dinosaurs are living in harmony with the humans now, and I was like, "How did that happen? Like, yep, how wh- yep. how did that occur? Like, what was going on in the background that we didn't get to see that solved the like a huge problem of the world that wasn't the the locust destroying like every crop in existence?" And I was like, "Because clearly, our main characters, whatever they did." did nothing to help the relationships between like the ecosystem and the dinosaurs. Mm -hmm. It was that Mm -hmm. last ending thing was so confusing to me. And I'm like, did Colin Trevorrow just say like, wouldn't it be cool if we had a big dinosaur fish, like look at a whale? Like, wouldn't that be cool? Let's just throw that in there.
0: (laughs) That's, but this is the thing though. Like it feels like, again, we have to also look at his career going into this. This is him licking his wounds.
1: Oh, definitely. Like think
0: about, he has book of Henry that basically, like, he becomes a laughing stock at that point. Yep, yep.
1: He, and he loses then he gets, Rise of Skywalker. He
0: he lo- he gets fired off a Star Wars film, which isn't really a unique proposition anymore. Yeah. <laughs> and, and and so he has to go back to this. And I think he again, obviously, because again, think about that first movie. That first movie makes such a hard. Hard point of wanting nothing to do with any of the films after part one. Mm-hmm. And yet all this film does is reference things when we get the Laura Dern, Sam Nealonian uh, and Jeff Goldblum. Yep. Yep. All it does is reference continuity from the latter two films of the franchise. And that's and it's so strange that like Trevorrow, who's known for giving the middle finger to the establishment, is forced to go back to the well. Um, even like it even has his little cute little jab too, where at some point someone turns around and goes Jurassic World sucks.
1: Yeah, Jeff like, Goldblum, he's like Jurassic World, not a fan, you know.
0: <laughs> exactly, and it, it's it's so like if you didn't outside of a couple of moments here and there, you'd swear this was like a Brett Ratner film. This right. feels like yeah. like just like nobody made this movie. It felt like they just hired a second-unit director to tell the actors where to stand, and then a bunch of executives over the course of like a month, they said like, okay, we'll take turns like piecemeal editing it.
1: Yes, I, I completely agree because the, the two things like structurally about this movie that confused – not confused me, but like baffled me the most is that – so many events happen because of pure coincidence like why does um the the pilot join up with claire in malta mm-hmm. well she just seems to she just happens to be walking by on the street when claire is dangling from a balcony you know and so so many things happen coincidentally the woman in white i don't know her name the She's a very strikingly strange-looking woman. I didn't,
0: you mean a, Asian Lady Gaga?
1: I, I I guess that's actually a really good way to put it because in the her first scene in the car, when it's real close up on her face talking to Campbell Scott, I'm like, is that Lady Gaga? So that's actually a great way to put it. But mm-hmm. like, how does she get caught? She just happens to walk into frame when like Chris Pratt and the uh, and the other guy is there, you know. Um, and I'm just like, so many things happen coincidentally. And then two on top of those coincidences occurring, everyone in this fucking movie seems to know who each other is. Like, when, when, like, Alan Grant and, um, and Ellie Sadler in, like, the biosyn trying to get the, um, the, uh, sample from the Locust, Maisie pops out of, like, a door, and they're like, you're Maisie Lockhart, you were a big character in the last movie, we know everything about you, and I'm like, what the is going on and even yep. Jeff Goldblum is like Maisie Lockhart good to meet you and I'm like how does everybody know I know she was in the montage of the um the news thing at the start but it's like they all know each other and then the whole thing with Laura Dern being like I knew your mother and it's like you know okay it's just so forced in and piecemealed is the best way to put it like everybody knows each other everything happens coincidentally uh, the like, things just happen off screen and time lapses, like, for no reason. Like, the whole thing with, what, like, uh, uh, Bryce Dallas Howard, you know, has to leave, eject from the plane when it's crashing because some dinosaur's taken it down. Like, really messed up that plane. And so she's in the woods. Plane crashes seemingly eight miles away from her. Chris Pratt and the pilot, like, of like, get out of that frozen lake scene. Boom, they're right near her because they have a tracker. And I'm like... They didn't encounter a single dinosaur getting from, like, eight miles between those two things. Maisie's on the plane to go to, to, go to Biosyn at, at the end of the Malta scene. Boom! Next scene, she's just there with um, B.D. Wong talking about her mother. And I'm like, did nothing happen in this time-lapse? Like, what were our other characters doing? Like, is anything going on? And it's totally just, like, jammed together. It's like puzzle pieces that don't fit, and they're just like, come on, we can make this work. And it drove me crazy.
0: That's the thing. Like, there's so many. Like, I I I don't even know what movie they wanted to make. I don't even know because every like the Chris Pratt Bryce Dallas Howard stuff just feels like obligatory. Like, oh, we need to continue this story. And the Laura Dern Sam Neill stuff was like, I didn't care about anything that happened in this movie. Like, even (laughs) if you remove the cynical jaded aspect I have to this franchise, Yeah, yeah. But at least it's Sam Neill and Laura Dern. Like, at least there's that level of, like, okay, we haven't seen these characters together in, oh, God, since, what's his name? William H. Macy and T. Eliogi. Yeah, yeah. It's like, at least it's fun to see them together, just as, like, actors intermingling.
1: I do agree with you there. And I do have to say, um, I love Sam Neill. I mean, he's not. utilized the most in this movie and i think there's a a level of almost everybody being checked out in their performances from this movie uh with one big one that i want to i want to talk about but i would say my my favorite stuff was the sam neill and laura dern stuff as as ridiculous some of it is but i do want to mention probably my favorite scene in the movie is um sam neill arguing with the coffee guy in the biosyn while him and uh, laura dern and Jeff Goldblum are talking to each other like Sam Neill's like I don't want a cappuccino and the guy's like don't raise your voice to me I'm not raising my voice I don't want a cappuccino or something like that and I'm like I'm like this is fine but it does seem like you know nobody directed that that was literally like you know Sam Neill talking to craft services one day
0: (laughs) well they play him like a crazy person like they play him like a hermit yes and, like, it's the whole idea that, like, oh, Laura Dern, like, look at how much she's done since, like, the events of Jurassic Park 3. Like, she's just not a stay-at-home mom. She blah, 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 And then you have, obviously, Jeff Goldblum, who just, like, is being Jeff Goldblum. They said to tweak his character's name a little bit. Mm-hmm. And and like, oh, what's Sam Neil been up to? Well, he's still in the same dirt we left him in in 1993. Yes. yes. And it, it's, like, I, I it's cute. Like, I, it's honestly probably the least offensive aspect of the entire film because they're playing into kind of just the quaint nature of it all but it's like I, I i those characters are at least having fun sure like chris pratt like the whole time i looked at him i'm like what has he even doing here that that's like,
1: the performance i have never seen chris pratt so checked out of a performance like i i know i've been on record i don't even really like chris pratt in in anything you know from his TV stuff in Parks and Rec to his transition into this, like, movie star type of thing. But, man, he is dead behind the eyes for this entire movie. And it is it is distracting, I think, and, and completely distracting.
0: That I think that's the thing. Bryce Dallas Howard does nothing in this movie. Chris Pratt does nothing in this movie. Little clone girl just kind of, once again, like in the previous film, sits in front of a monitor and watches TV. <laughs> yes, that's right. And And then – but that's the thing that makes the Laura Dern, Sam Neill and, and Jeff Goldblum stuff so refreshing is that they actually are acting.
1: Sure, sure.
0: They're acting, and and it's like it's weird to think that the bare minimum is considered exciting now when it comes to a dinosaurs two hundred million dollar film.
1: Right, right, yeah. I mean, the only thing Chris Pratt does in this entire movie is uh, force push dinosaurs. He just yes, keeps putting exactly. his hand out, and every time it happens, I'm just like, why does this work? I get it because in the first time he does it is when what the his 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 raptor uh, blue uh, shows up with the baby and. The the like blues about to attack Maisie and Chris Pratt's like put his hand out and I'm like okay I remember that from the first two movies that's that's how a he thing in like, this
0: franchise yeah I'm
1: like that's how he you know trained that dinosaur that's how when he he built up like he says you know in all these movies like the the loyalty and respect between living things or whatever the fuck it is it's like that's his motion but then when he's like trying to chase the dude in the um in the underground dinosaur uh black market scene like two dinosaurs pop out of cages and he puts his hand out at them and i'm like those fucking dinosaurs don't know what that means like that's not going to do anything. They're going to eat your hand, but it stops them. And I'm like, "Okay, so he's just force pushing dinosaurs at this point. Like this is just a magic power people have and it's like if you put your hand at dinosaurs, it's going to make them take pause." And I'm like, "That's I'm like, "Come on, that's the stupidest thing." They set up the whole like all these dinosaurs have this chip in their head that make them like do things with the shocks or the signals or whatever. Play on that. Don't just be like, "Hey, if a dinosaur sees a human hand, they're going to they're going to be like, "Oh, oh. Better think about what's going to happen.
0: <laughs> I'm glad you bring up the idea of chips in the dinosaurs' heads because that is a legit plot point in this movie,
1: and only comes up twice: when it's introduced and when they're used to get them all back to the the arena. You know
0: the um, which which rips. has no dramatic payoff, <laughs> Not right? At all. Yeah, exactly.
1: I thought it was going to be something where. Instead of, you know, when Campbell Scott, like, is losing his mind at the end of the movie, I thought it'd be like, you know, oh, let me use all these, like, chips in their head to make all the dinosaurs go crazy or something, but instead it's just like, no, they're all coming back so they don't burn in the forest fire that I caused, and it's just like, that's it, that's all we're doing with this idea, and, or or maybe, you know... Our main characters could have gotten some type of, you know, like way to control dinosaurs by controlling the chips in their head. I don't know. You could have done so many other things, and they were just like, no, we're going to mention it at the, what, 30-minute mark, and it'll come back at the two-hour mark, and that's it.
0: But the weird thing is that it's like even that sequence where like we have the control room, which is very – Ben it's like a smaller scale version of Jurassic World. Sure. Like it's like a room of like two rows of computers relative to that one in Jurassic World where we have the B D V D combo. Yep. And it's like a giant, just like like, oh god. Like 2000 square foot room yeah
1: it's like mission control have, for nasa yeah, or something. Like this, yeah.
0: It, it's so weird because like you have lady technician that's telling not tim cook that like oh government <laughs> policy states that if this happens we have to bring them into containment and he's just like we don't technically have to and she's like literally we technically do yeah and he's like and he starts like throwing a hissy fit and he's like just do it it's like you're creating glocus to wipe out the wheat supply. This is the line that you have <laughs> on decency and right. following protocol. Right. It's like why ne- – like you have all the genetic information for these dinosaurs. Let them die. You have a never-ending supply of them. Like, like, what happens if you murder a bunch of dinosaurs? Like, even how the film begins with Bryce Dallas Howard, that their genetic makeup is so commonly available that, like, a meth house in Kansas has the ability to clone dinosaurs right. now. Yeah. Yeah. There is no, no awe to any of this anymore. Like, that is the, like, and I wonder if that's Trevorrow's, like, implicit, like, theme of the film is that there is literally no excitement to dinosaurs anymore to the point where giant bugs are more interesting than dinosaurs mm. are now.
1: Mm-hmm. I could I could definitely see that. Um, and I mean, I'll, I'll give I'll give that to the movie. The giant bugs are way more interesting than than the dinosaurs, just because
0: shit, when we get to snacks for this film, I know I'm just <laughs> oh, yeah, <up>.
1: right, right. <laughs> the um, the giant bugs are like very like I said, it came out of nowhere. I didn't expect it when like that whole scene in the in the field when the kids are like hiding in the barn, just screaming like The one girl is holding a shovel, not using it to hit anything and just screaming. Um, And we see these giant locusts. I'm like, oh, wow, this is actually, you know, visually intriguing versus the whole thing of, you know, it's just like the earlier in the movie, the scene where Maisie crosses the bridge and leaves her little winter hideout cabin or whatever. And she just sees like the two giant dinosaurs in the logging company and and being led away. And I'm like, okay, you know, they're doing the majesty thing again of the uh, oh, man, aren't these creatures so like crazy to see? And just the bugs are way more interesting.
0: <laughs> Even the moment when we see the, the like, oh, God, uh, Campbell Scott lights the bugs on fire and they somehow break out of the containment yeah, chamber, yes, which exactly. is like funny he, as hell. And just somehow, having a, yeah. <laughs> yeah, somehow. And we have a swarm of flaming bugs and that somehow what incapacitates numerous vehicles? Yep. A, a flaming bug. <laughs> and you just sit there and it's like, like that's the sort of trevaro schlock that i miss is the idea of a bunch of flaming bugs just incapacitating everything
1: yeah no absolutely that was that was also very interesting i mean knowing like when when fire was raining down what in the last movie was because a volcano was going off if Mm -hmm. i remember correctly and this time it was bugs you know some of them are dying and falling some of them are still kind of you know just just smoldering and flying around and it is it's that goofiness but I'm still kind of fine with it, you know. I mean, isn't there ever one scene like a dinosaur pops out of the out of the like terrain out of the um the forestry or something and like eats a, a burning bug or something like yep, that?
0: Yep. <laughs> like that's the sort of stuff that we, I wish we got more of. Like exactly, I want that yeah. level of schlock instead we got like just like it's, like oh god vacuous Trevorrow, which yes. is something I like even safety not guaranteed is he this checked out. Like he, like I have no idea. Somebody who co-wrote and directed this film, he either was told to to really reel it in, or he was just so checked out that he he wants nothing to do with this anymore.
1: Yeah, yeah, I really don't know. I mean, um, I, I of course we're not in the uh, in the headspace of 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 uh, the madman himself, but I could definitely see maybe maybe like some combination of being checked out and trying to you know appease studio executives so he doesn't you know stay in director's jail for the rest of his life after book of mm. hank type of thing
0: it has to be that because it, it, it's just i i don't know because he did not make like there's a certain level of like if you look at jurassic world and just his writing style and that like he he really hates the the norms and the pillars of of what is considered like oh what we have to do hmm mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Like we can't ignore that he co like, he co-wrote the second movie. Yeah, yeah. And yet there's there's none of that here. Like there's it, this does not even feel like like this even Jurassic Park 3 had dinosaurs in it. Like <laughs> yes. it feels like like I honestly cannot imagine any studio executive looking at this outside of the fact they want to keep the budget down and wanting to be happy with it. Uh, like this sure. feels like the dinosaurs being cut out of it. We're just like, okay, we can at least save some cost somehow. And even the dinosaur stuff, like all the dinosaur fights quote unquote could be very, very easily excised from the film. Like, do we really need a moment of the, the same T-Rex from the 93 film <laughs> eating the carcass of a deer only to get shooed away by a bigger dinosaur. And then at the very end, have the T-Rex fight the villain dinosaur and then, like, they, they, oh, God, team up with Freddy Krueger dinosaur? like Yes, yes. Like, and like, wasn't the it, new it feels dinosaur... It so misplaced.
1: Was, I, I mean, I totally agree. Um, it, It's played as, like, this climactic moment, like, the end of the saga of this T-Rex type of thing, of these of these giant carnivores, because apparently that's what is the most interest For people who do enjoy dinosaurs, which I don't, I, I guess that means that's the most interesting ones. Like, you know, of course, T-Rex is most famous, I'd say, but I... Wasn't one of the dinosaurs in this movie supposed to be the Joker? Wasn't that wasn't that the news article for a while that Colin Trevorrow was like, "I want to make the new dinosaur like the Joker dinosaur"? Didn't we talk about that like months ago?
0: Well, the thing about it is like the joke we were making for months, like when all the toys leaked, was that there was a dinosaur called the Gigantosaurus, and it yes. became once again like the indoor raptor. This is why we don't want the toy people named characters (laughs) in the film. Um, But like they don't even call it that. It's called the Gigasaurus. And I'm like, clearly the prefix on that can't be ignored. Yes. It can't be ignored. And the fact that like both uh, Jeff Goldblum and Sam Mueller are like, this is the largest. Like what, two Mm -hmm. or three times in the film, they explicitly say, and I quote, the largest carnosaur to ever walk the earth, end quote. Yes, and I'm yes. like, if we're if we're ignoring continuity, like or I'm sorry that we're no longer ignoring continuity. Wasn't the Spinosaurus from the third film, which is called that solely because it has a giant spine yep, on its back? Yep. Um, like, wasn't that like the movie where the 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 it kills the T Rex like in the first five minutes of like the fight from just to show that no, like this that. is the biggest dinosaur ever?
1: Yeah. Yes, so
0: I I don't know because like I know some of the spoilery stuff that I was reading that like oh the Spinosaurus came back in both it. And the T Rex fight off the Gigantosaurus, and it's like no, it's it's the T Rex that's somehow still alive, nearly forty years later, fighting the the Gigantosaurus that's not even established. We just see it in one one shot earlier, and then it shows up at the end. Yeah, and it's yeah. not even try; it doesn't even try to kill our heroes. It seems to be rather apathetic to humans.
1: Yeah, exactly. And I I mean I didn't understand it, and I do have to say it on that name of this new bigger dinosaur because um, they always have to go bigger of course there's a few times in the movie where someone said it and i could have swore they called it the giga dinosaurus <laughs> and i was like <laughs> chuckling to myself and th- i'm like did did chris pratt just say giga dinosaurus but it's some it's it's like gi- on wikipedia it's like giganotosaurus or something like that and so but i don't know i mean all these dinosaur names just like wash over me and then I don't even know if – I'm sure they're all real because people in the real world keep finding these fossils and piecing and get together these puzzles and go, this is a different dinosaur now, you know? And and everybody knows my stance on dinosaurs. Of course, we had to get there. But mm-hmm. when the one that attacks the plane, the pilot's like, it's Quetzalcoatl, the ancient Mesopotamian <laughs> god. And I'm like, go fuck yourself. <laughs> I'm like, go fuck yourself, movie. Just call it a pterodactyl. Everybody will know what that
0: is. <laughs> You are right. That dinosaur just fucks that plane you up. Mean, the dinosaur yeah. just like.
1: I think there's even a shot of it, like it blows out an engine, and you know it's like it's like watching the plane go down and lost, and and like Bryce Dallas Howard is like looking out the side, just watching a giant burning engine.
0: <laughs> I like the fact that like okay, going back to their moment in the plane, um, like Chris Pratt and black lady chris pratt yeah <laughs> like she, i don't like remember a her name in the she's movie she's not she's not a character she's black lady chris pratt and like cause it's the same character because at one point we even see them kind of unsheath their knives the exact same way yes. while in the identical stance so like we can only assume that they uh, maybe that chris pratt's a clone of this lady we can only assume that And so, like, there's a point where Chris Pratt's like, Bryce Dallas Howard, you have the only parachute. You must, at this level, do this. If you do not deploy it at at 10,000 feet, it will deploy by itself. And then it's like, like, the plane's getting messed up. She deploys. And then, like, the not pterodactyls, like, just keep coming after her. And it's like, these animals would have no idea what's happening right now if there was a lady parachuting down. And yet they (laughs) specifically target the parachute, perforate it. Yep. So... She has to deploy the secondary chute. And then while all this is happening, we have Chris Pratt and Black Lady Chris Pratt crash land into a frozen lake only for them to just immediately walk out of the plane.
1: Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm.
0: And I'm just like, if you can survive a plane crash that easily, why did you have to let uh, Bryce Dallas Howard go?
1: Right? Yeah, 100%.
0: We have black Chris Pratt lady and <laughs> Wikipedia says
1: her name is Kayla Watts and I I kind of oh, I, I think that was said once in the movie.
0: Maybe. Is that her is that the actress's name? Like I will say that that's the actress's no, name. No, the not actress's a
1: name is Dewanda Wise.
0: Dewanda Wise. I would rather name this character by the actress. That's fair, that's as, fair. Because it's not a character. She has – She has. N- there's nothing to this. No, not she's, at all. Even her thing fly- at the
1: end when she's like – um, what, she says something. It's like, why'd you help us? And it's like, well, because I didn't help earlier. And it's like, really? That's that's <laughs> all the motivation you're going to give her? That's like, I didn't do the right thing once, so I'm doing the right thing now, you know? I, on the topic of that character, I thought – okay, so I don't know if you noticed this, Zach, but I really thought that in the scene after Malta when Chris Pratt, Bryce Dallas Howard, and, and her are all on the plane together – and they're flying i think it's like right before they get to biosyn or something like that there's a shot of the pilot with her hands on the the wheel the uh, whatever it's called for you know piloting um the the controls i guess you know or maybe everybody knows what i mean the thing you put your hands on to fly the plane and on like the center is a picture there's there's a picture you can see the picture but it's not like zoomed in or anything and it's really quick but i noticed it was a picture and at that point in the movie i'm like they are going to spin the lore that she is either the daughter or like granddaughter of Samuel L. Jackson from the first movie and that's why she's involved with dinosaurs. I was like, I swear they were gonna do that, but it's never brought up. And instead she's this vacuous non character type of thing. I would have much preferred if it was like my, you know, my my grandfather or uncle or whatever you wanna, you know, I don't know my timeline. Uh, or how long it's been, but it's just, I totally thought they were going to be like, yeah, you know, like, my my relative died in the first Jurassic Park. He was one of the, the safety technicians or something, or whatever Samuel L. Jackson was in that first movie. And and that's why I'm involved in this stuff, and, you know, I feel like, you know, we can do better with dinosaurs, but I got corrupted along the way. And instead, she's just like, no, I'm a kind of a, just a pilot for hire that... Saw a little girl look sad once, and I could have said something. And it's like, what could you have done in that moment when Maisie was getting, like, sold to Biosyn? Like, were you going to, like, kill all those guards? Were you going to, like, take out all these other pilots that needed their money? Like, come on. Like, totally underdeveloped.
0: But this is the question, though, about, like, all of that is that – Why do we need to kidnap Maisie and uh, Chris Pratt and the dinosaurs love child (laughs) other than the fact that the script tells us to like BD Wong's things like, oh, we need to kidnap these children, this child, because she has the blood in her to like, oh, if we inject her blood into a giant bug, it will kill all the other bugs. And it's like okay yeah yeah. (laughs) and it's like like but Biosyn clearly doesn't want that so like why is Biosyn kidnapping her other than just to say oh we collected like we are amassing a collection of every antiquity to the dinosaur legacy of the last 30 years
1: yeah that that was definitely not made clear like i got bd wong's motivation where because he's like okay there's literally two living creatures on planet earth right now that were born like Asexually, you know, one is this baby dinosaur that had no like testing done on it, and and Maisie who had testing done on it. So I, if I can study those and compare them, I can see what's different and find like the thing that Charlotte Lockwood did to this kid. And I'm like, I get his motivation. You are right. I have no fucking idea why Campbell Scott wants Maisie. Because there's even a point where Campbell Scott's like, Do you think Maisie could be the answer? And Henry Henry Wu, you know, BD Wong's character, is like, he She absolutely is the answer. And I'm like, To, to the thing that Campbell Scott doesn't want to fix, like, w- there's mm-hmm. no line that explains what BD Wong is lying to Campbell Scott about. Like, we need Maisie because then we'll be able to make money on our pharmaceuticals or something like that never happens. And it's so confusing.
0: Well, even the whole thing of BD Wong, like BD Wong in the first film is like the mad scientist in the second film, he's the mad scientist that's like, you are underselling these dinosaurs. Yes. I can buy a house, <laughs> a very ch- a very bad house for these prices.
1: Yeah, why is it going to cost th- more to buy the crane to pick up the cages we are putting these dinosaurs in?
0: <laughs> exactly. And then by the third film, he is like the definition of like a homeless man who's like, even though I created these locusts that are evil, I need to destroy them now. It's like, wait, wait, you're having a change of heart because – why? Because Why he's going to end the bugs? world?
1: I mean, it definitely it came across to me as they're trying to do, like, this is his redemption arc in this movie, or his redemption arc for the entire franchise, all six movies, even though he's only in, what, one, four, five, and six, you know? Um, and it's like, yeah, but you flesh that out a little bit better, especially when you have someone like B.D. Wong, like, do something with him, you know, utilize him, because he's very good at acting and, and, you know, portraying these things. But instead, he just kind of is like, you know... I'm here to dump exposition, and then I'm here to be like the, um, the package, like the uh, the the uh, you know, uh, escort mission at the end. They have to make sure they get him out without him getting hurt because he can't defend himself. And it's like nobody can fucking defend themselves against these things.
0: <laughs> well, that's the thing. Like he's not trying to redeem himself for the acts of the past. He's redeeming himself for something he did at the very end. It's yes. like murdering like three or four like cities of people <laughs> and being like, you know, that last family was the, like the straw that broke the camel's back. And it's like, well, well, you mean like this is the thing that made you realize everything you've done your entire career is wrong. Nope, just the last family. Exactly.
1: Like, uh, that, you're it's exactly like, right. They should have fleshed that out a lot more. Like he should have had a thing where it was like, you know. Because even when he pops up at the end out of nowhere, when, like, the whole like place is going to hell, Jeff Goldblum is like, oh, no, not him. Like, it's always him. Like, he's bad. Like, you should have even had a little line in there where B.D. Wong could have said something like, you know— they could have thrown it back to the first movie when, you know, B.D. Wong is like, well, we're we're scientists. We're going to do whatever we want. And Jeff Goldblum says, you know, you you, you thought so hard about if you could that you didn't think about if you should. They should have said something like that. Like B.D. Wong should have been like, I should have listened to you, you know, what, 40 years ago or whatever it was. But nope, they're just like, I, I just got to study these things and save the world. And that's the point of this movie. You know, <laughs> fuck all these dinosaurs. I just got to save the world from these locusts.
0: But this is the thing – okay, going back real quick, like you mentioned with Jeff Goldblum, is that he – like, we, we talked about it in, I think, on our Jurassic – I have for loose track, Rob. It's We've talked about more of these movies than we should have. It I feels know, like it's I up know, there with, like, right. Hack Snyder-level nonsense, like, all the directors <laughs> that we still have not covered, and yet somehow we've talked about how many dinosaur movies on this podcast.
1: God, I, I, um, think, I think four now. Did I, well – I know we did Jurassic. We, did we do Jurassic World on here? Yeah, and we did yeah. it we on the Jurassic World. Too. Yeah. We
0: did Dinosaur Boogaloo. We did three. Um, we did Jurassic Park three yep. for the fourth year. Oh god! But like, it goes back to the things. Like this film is clearly acknowledging continuity. And it's like, are we going to acknowledge the fact that like, like Jeff Goldblum wanted nothing to do with these dinosaurs by the second movie, <laughs> right. and yet somehow at the because remember he's at the very what he bookends Fallen Kingdom, Dinosaur Boogaloo, and like. Yet somehow he goes from warning the world about, like, the perils of dinosaurs to, like, yeah, I'm going to get in bed with these people. And then there's the weird thing, too, of, like, oh, he's a mole. He And yet, no, he's not. It's the guy who, like, recruited him as the mole. And Jeff Goldblum's just there because he's Jeff Goldblum. It's like, why not just get rid of that other character? What's his name? Ramsey, I think. Yeah, yeah. And it's like, why not just take that character and merge it with Jeff Goldblum's character? And yet I I also love the idea – I couldn't help but chuckle. This feels like Trevorrow nonsense and that like we have this – about everything about these dinosaurs for the last 30 plus years about is about like genetics reading dna and yet every single lock in this building can be unlocked by an apple watch
1: right right
0: (laughs) it's like you have like everything is bioengineered why wouldn't you have the locks like we live in a world now where having your eye scanned or your fingerprint read has been technology that's been at disneyland Mm -hmm. for 25 30 years yet somehow somehow in dinosaur futurism land no we need little like qr scanners and i'm sorry um rf scanners and yes. i'm just like this is this is like nobody cares like it, it's blatantly obvious nobody involved with this movie cares
1: exactly exactly and um it it's 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 baffling. It's absolutely baffling.
0: <laughs> it's but like this is the thing I want to ask. This is where kids get more into the philosophical. Okay, is that how do you go from in twenty fifteen Jurassic World making one point six billion dollars to seven years later where nobody involved cares? How, like how do you just become so indifferent?
1: Yeah, I I really don't know. I mean, I I think this should have been you know like. It, uh, like, you're right. Even you said before about the, the marketing on this was so, you know, kind of like lackluster. I didn't even see that much for it, you know. I saw more marketing for the Jurassic Experience, which was like a walk around, uh, like animatronic exhibit in, down in Denver than I did for this movie, you know? And I, I this should have been, they should have been playing this as like the, you know, end game of the dinosaur franchise that we're bringing everybody back. There's going to be, you know, a big conclusion to like, how is the world going to live with dinosaurs finally? And it seems like it just got – like we're missing a movie. Like this whole thing about Locust should have been part seven of this franchise.
0: It doesn't – like this is the thing though is that like I, I honestly – when I say this, I'm not being hyperbolic. I think if you would have sat there done a focus group and you take a bunch of 10-year-olds and put them in the room with some dinosaur toys from mm-hmm. the franchise and you want – it's kind of the equivalent of if you put enough monkeys in front of typewriters, you'll get Shakespeare. <laughs> I think if you just do that, you would have gotten a better film. Like, sure, of course, you have to refine it and you got to put dialogue to it. Sure. But I honestly think if you would have emptied out a toy box of all these characters and all the corresponding dinosaurs, you could have gotten a more interesting film. Like, I think about I, it. I you have a dinosaur movie where the dinosaurs aren't even the main plot. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Like I, how on earth when you market like research focus group test this that nobody just says where, it's like the equivalent of the Wendy's commercial. Where's the beef? Where are the dinosaurs like at one point we literally just have dinosaurs like Chris Pratt's riding a motorcycle in Malta and dinosaurs are in the courtyard. And I'm just like, like, how'd they get there? It's a very right. narrow city with streets. How did dinosaurs get to the middle of like it's the equivalent of Venice? Yep. Imagine if you have some random dinosaurs in the middle of Venice just swimming in the water like it's like. They had to get there somehow. They didn't just tread water. Like, <laughs> like there's just so much where I'm just like, like yeah. did something happen? And they also even got like,
1: there from underground, you know? They were all yes. kept in this big underground. Um, God, the only thing I could think of in the Malta black market scene was the black market scene from Pacific Rim from all those years oh, ago, right?
0: <laughs> Ron Perlman's there just selling the skull of a yeah, kaiju. Yeah,
1: exactly. I expected that for sure.
0: <laughs> I, 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 That's, I think, my biggest thing about this movie is that like for like? I'm not kidding when I say that throughout most of the two hour and 20 minute runtime of this film, I was like bored to tears. Like my very eyes literally so. started tearing up. And I had to like get a tissue and just be like, well, this please just can something happen? Mm-hmm. Like I was so bored. Like I walked into this movie very similarly to how I did like Fallen Kingdom. And that, like, oh, God, like, I, I'm dreading this. Like, I'm seeing this as have some misplaced sense of obligation. And, like, as I'm watching it, I'm just like, and, and especially toward the end, I'd say when we have the, the T-Rex and Freddy Krueger dinosaur versus the Gigantosaurus, I'm, I, I kept having flashbacks to that, quote, final battle of Jurassic World where you have the T-Rex against Jason Voorhees dinosaur. Yep. And I'm just like. I, I can't believe this. Like I finally reached a point with this franchise where I'm looking back at Jurassic world fondly. Like <laughs> I hate Jurassic world, but I was never bored through it. Like there's always something happening, even if it's for the worse. And it's like, I'm like, I've reached a point where I'm longing for that.
1: Yeah. No, like, I'm, I'm not, I'm
0: not, there's something totally to be said about feeling yeah. something, even if it's anger versus just numbness.
1: Yeah. Yeah. I have to agree. I was also very bored throughout this movie and, i knew the runtime going into it that it was what two like two hours 20 and and with credits it's it's going to be a little less um and i definitely did not stay for the credits um but i was just like oh my god like what is it takes so long there's so much going on and then because it's like they had to i feel like they just had to not had to but they felt maybe they had to hit all these beats of like okay we got you know the, the legacy characters are back together in one storyline. The other storyline is like our new characters are all together, but then they all get split up and then, you know, they kind of, they kind of blend and Maisie ends up with the legacy characters and then they finally all get reunited and there's still like fucking eight hours left in the movie. Mm-hmm. And then, you know, and mm-hmm. I'm just like, Oh my God. And it was, it was, it was very much a drag.
0: It's, it's, the, the thing that kept me going is that every 20 to 25 minutes, you get Laura Dern and Sam Neal doing something. Sure. And that kept me going because it's it's just fun to see them together again, just interacting. And the whole time, I'm just like – it was one of those things where I'm like, Sam Neill, just like give Laura Dern what she wanted in Jurassic Park. I don't care if she's in menopause. Give her a baby. Like give (laughs) Laura Dern a baby. That's all she wanted from you was a baby. Give her a baby. Like take Chris Pratt and the dinosaur's love child and just hand it to her. She wants a baby from you. And that's all I wanted because like Rob, I have to ask. Like one of my favorite – Rob isms of all time is your breakdown of the oh, Jurassic sure. <laughs> Park franchise where the first film is about.
1: Uh, have a family, have, have children, family. have children. Second really. film is
0: about having children. Yep. The fourth film is about having children. The fifth film is about having clone children. Yes. The third film <laughs> is about
1: that. Raptors can talk, which, which is a big part of this movie for sure.
0: <laughs> but Rob, I have to ask now after four years of anticipation, what is the point of this movie that, that locusts can catch on fire? Well, giant no, bugs can so, be incinerated?
1: Uh, well, I think that's a, that's a big part of it, and that, that is important, <laughs> that um, some locusts are resistant to fire. And also some locusts, even though they've already been burnt to a crisp and are dead, when a server room reboots, it reboots the locusts as well. Um That was a very confusing scene to me, that Laura Dern and and, um, Bryce Dallas Howard are, like, creeping over the the dead. The dead! They're dead! They're smoldering! They're not moving at all! And then they turn off the power to the server room, and they're like, oh no, it's rebooting! And then, boom, all these things just come back to life magically. And I'm like, what? You walking around them didn't... Like, were they asleep? Like, what was the implication there? Um, But, no, I'm glad you asked this because as I was watching the movie, it's so long and there's so much going on, I was definitely like, you know, is this going to be about, you know, you have to have children? And And I think it's not about that. I think that after, what, the four movies in the franchise that beat that into your head, that the point of living is to reproduce. That is the point of all those four movies... Except that, well, it has it in the third one, but the third one's more about how raptors can speak to each other, as we said. They finally did something a little different, and they said, once you have that child, once you have reproduced, the only thing that matters is protecting that child. Uh, that's what I think this movie's about.
0: Is that what it is? So we went from the importance of what 80% of these films is have children to. Protect children. Maybe,
1: maybe the maybe the better way to put it is now that they've beaten into our heads, this franchise has beaten into our heads, that you have to reproduce. Once you've accomplished your singular goal in life, because this, this franchise also says you can have no other purpose in life other than to reproduce. Once you've reproduced, your main goal becomes make sure your child survives so they can reproduce.
0: Mm. That's what
1: I think this gets at because so much of this movie is, oh, my God, we have to protect Maisie like it that's the only motivation mm-hmm. that um, Bryce Dallas Howard and Chris Pratt have we have to protect Maisie we have to protect our child and there's a the whole thing with like you're not my real mom at the beginning and stuff like that um, and then you know even you get the stuff with uh, Chris Pratt saving baby dinosaur and stuff like that and it, the whole thing is just like even with BD Wong they're like well he has to save the world because if the world ends then nobody can reproduce and that's the whole point of life. And, you know, it, mm-hmm. it, so that's what I think. It's like we have to make sure Maisie can grow up and have her own clone baby one day because that's the only reason she's alive.
0: <laughs> I have to ask, considering so many aspects of this franchise they are just kind of disposed of – oh, man, here comes the plane. There's a pterodactyl attacking the plane Woo! right now, Rob. Can the, you
1: hear it? The so on us. We need a, <laughs> we need a sacrifice. From, from ancient
0: Mesopotamia. Um <laughs> But considering that the Jurassic Park franchise is known for discarding elements that it doesn't want to acknowledge, mm-hmm. why couldn't we just do away with this Maisie character? Why is this character important? Like they make – because remember the big mystery from the second film was, oh, they cloned a little girl from dinosaur DNA and it's like, OK, like that's an interesting question. Yep. And then immediately in this is like, oh, no, 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 no. She didn't use dinosaur DNA. Her mother cloned her because – Plot
1: BD Wong says she used her own. What, um, uh, Maisie says something like, My my grandpa, what I think James Cromwell from the last mm-hmm. movie was yep, like, yep. James Cromwell tried to clone Babe, but that didn't work. So he cloned me out of my <laughs> like, at, to like look like my mother. And BD Wong says something like, No, your mother like cloned you with her own DNA. And I'm like, Isn't that like some weird like clone incest type of thing? But I'm like, I guess that doesn't it's, work it's that way. It's pe- <laughs> very,
0: it's very peculiar.
1: Yes, but no, you are absolutely right that the existence of Maisie in this movie is solely, but by what the opening sequence of news exposition dump tells us, is that just like, She's a clone child, and and somebody's after her for some reason, and then the reason that B.D. Wong wants to get his hands on her is solely because of the manufactured plague locust thing that is only mm. existent in this movie. So you're right. It's, it's totally just like, okay, I guess we need to keep her around now type of thing. I would have been much more interested by a storyline where everybody's looking for Maisie, not because she's a clone, but because she committed the war crime of releasing Mm -hmm. dinosaurs onto the world like dinosaurs were not into the world they were all gonna get gassed and killed at the end of the last movie right and she was like well i guess they're just out in the world now like she should be facing this should be a like crime drama of her facing trial for the last hour and be like like is this illegal like should she face like repercussions for causing this damage to the ecosystem
0: well, that's like, again, I don't know what this movie wants to be about. Like, exactly. it's that notion of like, it's known what that Laura Dern and Maisie's mom were were in contact with each other. And yes. that Maisie's mom only died, what, maybe 10 to 13 years before the events of the film. Yeah, I think they say it's
1: 13.
0: Like, yeah. Yeah. Like, but wouldn't all of her research be available? Like, like what? Like,
1: Yeah, that made no sense. They were just like – B.D. Wong is like, she did this. She cured your genetic disease, but she apparently kept no record of the most groundbreaking scientific discovery since the ability to create dinosaurs.
0: (laughs) Yeah, and that's a thing where it's like you would think – like all this would happen. Like I I genuinely don't know. Like it comes to the point where like – and this is another question I have is like I think we talked about it about a year ago when uh, Fast and Furious 79 like released okay. that there was like an extended preview because it was another universal oh, film yeah, yeah. where there was a sequence like at a drive in theater with like a T-Rex like gets in the middle of it and just starts like going like slasher movie on everybody mm-hmm. and there's nothing like that in this movie. Yep. And yep. and that was the marketing a year ago so it begs the question did they Did they reshoot any of this, which is becoming, like, the perpetual question with blockbuster filmmaking now. Is that, like, was there an earlier incarnation of this film that didn't test well, so what they did was they decided to remake a third of it?
1: Yeah, I mean, I I would have to guess that that's the case. Maybe there's – I don't really know why, like, that – that seems Because like... the
0: opening montage has nothing in common with the rest of the film.
1: Exactly, exactly. I think the only other time we see dinosaurs attacking people is when they have to call um the, the guy from the second movie who's working at the CIA now and he sits down at the computer and, like, a little window pops up and there's just, like, some tiny pterodactyls picking at a woman's hair like seagulls attack someone with french fries on the beach.
0: <laughs> exactly. And that's the thing. Like, the movie begins with, again, like, almost every character from the franchise comes back for like a brief moment, yep. except for Tia Leone and, and William H. Macy. Yep, yep. And it makes you wonder, cause like we get the dumb characters from fallen kingdom. Like we even get the, uh, dinosaur veterinarian. Yeah. Yeah. A real vet dino veterinarian now. And even they've become disenchanted to like all this. They're like, why, what are we doing? Mm-hmm. They're like, why are we rescuing triceratops from meth like labs in like Kansas? And Bryce Dow's house like, it matters. They're like, yeah, it matters. But, like, this is the slowest way to do it. (laughs) Right. And then the guy from Detective Pikachu is like, I'm going to join the CIA and start doing this, which is never explained. He's just like, oh, it's an eight to five job, which I doubt any CIA job is eight to five. (laughs) But it's like – and then, like, the veterinarian lady, like, that was what? The the Hillary Clinton to – what's his name? Um, Leland Steinmeier's Trump. like she completely disappears from the film like she gets her 30 second like opening like appearance and then that's it yeah and it's like you said there's an entire like weird like oh god micro subplot like oh the cia is watching all this and it's like are we gonna have like the dinosaur equivalent of the men in black soon (laughs) like like, there's just so many questions where it's like true like I, I, this honestly feels like it could be a springboard for a million different things.
1: Exactly, yeah. Like,
0: and even the posters state, like, this is supposed to be the epic conclusion to the Jurassic saga, and it's like, not really?
1: Yeah, the, oh, the only – the the main plot of this movie is that they save the world from locusts that only exist in this movie. Like, it's like, take out the, – the epic conclusion just seems to be the big dinosaur fight at the end that, you know, our main characters don't even see the conclusion of. They get away – In the helicopter before the T Rex wakes back up, and and exactly, I'm like, what? I'm like, what does this matter? Like, I definitely don't care about seeing dinosaurs fight, and I especially don't care. You know, I I care even less if our main characters aren't involved in it at this point. Absolutely, but this is,
0: but but it's funny. This movie to me was most interesting for what it didn't have. Um, Like one thing that I'm kind of shocked we haven't gotten in any of these movies is like considering that Jurassic world makes such a big part of its campaign back in the day of Chris Pratt riding the motorcycle with mm. the dinosaurs. Like that was like, you couldn't, I think that was a poster at one point. Yeah, And so it's like, why haven't we not had Chris Pratt ride the dinosaurs? Exactly. Like how cool? Like I said, like, to the point where like like they know they're not making high art with this film with these films. <laughs> why couldn't we have? Considering that Chris Pratt is still weirdly our protagonist for all this, even though he's not really, is like why couldn't we have him during the final battle riding the T Rex? Like, why yeah. couldn't we have the equivalent of of Captain America picking up Thor's hammer and we have Chris Pratt riding the T like being like, oh man, like the Freddy Krueger dinosaur is about to get it, and it's like, oh no, like we have a bigger gun. And we sit there and have T Rex riding the dinosaur. Like, wouldn't that like at this point, like, is that really any crazier than having a bunch of giant locusts eating corn? No, and like, it
1: also seems like the most low-hanging fruit because if you finally show that in a movie, if you showed let's say just that thing of Chris Pratt getting on the back of the T-Rex, for however long it is, you know, if it's during the fight, if it's just to do, you know, something, maybe it's to, you know, get the chip out of the T-Rex's head or something mm-hmm. like that, you know, maybe use that a little bit more. If they just showed that mm-hmm. for however long, it would it would make so many of these little kids who love dinosaurs they they got to see their fantasy on screen because there's no way you're telling me these kids who have a T-Rex action figure and a Chris Pratt action figure don't mm-hmm. make them ride each other you know you know what i mean but they're they're riding each other but it's like it's i will, such s- I will fruit.
0: say i did not appreciate the film lying to us when it said that blue's baby dinosaur was asexual we all know that's chris pratt's child <laughs> yes i mean like, didn't he Maze loves see... that dinosaur and the did movie he... brings it up to yes. like <laughs> he fucked the dinosaur that's kind of disgusting yeah, like, I, don't want, watch I don't want my watch kids that to tape
1: on a monitor in the last movie like i thought exactly we he's the...
0: grooming the dinosaur <laughs> That's not cool, man. I don't <laughs> want to see dinosaurs doing that, like getting done that to them. That's not cool.
1: Yeah, yeah, but I mean, you're right. It's absolutely low hanging fruit, and it it would be. Uh, but I don't know. I, I I mean, and even like older people. Like I made the thing with kids. Like kids would be like, you know, oh, I've done that with my toys all the time, and they'd be ecstatic. All the kids that are into dinosaurs. Even the adults would be like, you know, that's that's just ridiculous, but it's fun ridiculous, you know. Mm-hmm. At least it's something that's not just, you know, oh, our main characters just huddled around and then they're between the two dinosaurs and they're like, this isn't about us. We have to run, and then they basically just get on the helicopter and leave.
0: Exactly, but like I have to wonder what sort of lessons they learn from Dinosaur Boogaloo because it feels like because like, we we again one of the reasons why you and I I don't like oh god I don't want to say appreciate Dinosaur Boogaloo. But we have some fondness of it sure. is because of just how goofy it is.
1: Absolutely, it's, it's, it's bonkers. It's it's hilarious in how crazy it is.
0: And I think they, they stepped away from that. I think the lesson they learned from that, even if it wasn't the main reason why, was that people want these dinosaur movies to be very sober. Sure, sure. And I think – but like you also have moments in this where Asian Lady Gaga – has the same mechanism. Remember from the indoor, remember the yeah. indoor Raptor special powers that like, if you shine like a flashlight onto something, it would attack it. Oh yeah. And, and the dinosaurs in this do that as well. And it's like, like, and there's numerous points in this where Asian lady Gaga shines her like little red laser pen dot on things. And the dinosaurs aren't even looking. I'm like, does it count? <laughs> <Yeah>. Like, <laughs> like, do they just know and I'm just like this. None of this makes sense. It's like, like, what is happening right now? And it's like, like, who is Asian Lady Gaga? Where did four raptor trained raptors in a crate come from? Yeah, and I'm like, oh, maybe thing. these. It's like maybe these are the ones from the first Jurassic World. Like, nope, they all got blown up. At one point, we see a dinosaur get blown up with a bazooka. Yes. which is still one of the funniest things ever. <laughs> and it's like, oh wait, so people are what learning from what Chris Pratt did back in the day? And it's like, I, I guess like the film just establishes that like there's a black market. We get the Star Wars Cantina equivalent of this, mm-hmm. where we have a bazaar of dinosaurs. And yet somehow there's a ladies' room in the bazaar, as if yeah. it's like like a thing in Disney World.
1: <laughs> that is really ridiculous, isn't it? Like and the setup for that scene when Bryce Dallas Howard meets uh, DeWanda Wise is just Bryce Dallas Howard is washing her hands.
0: Exactly. <laughs> It feels like a scene from like like oh good lord a Julia Roberts comedy. Right?
1: It's like I know like, I know I'm we're looking for Maisie right now, but I just gotta just gotta wash my hands. You know, this place is kinda icky.
0: <laughs> but like it's the idea, why would a black market for dinosaurs have restrooms?
1: Exactly. That's yeah.
0: not how black market anything works. It's not <laughs> Disney World. And yet, like I I just I, I don't know. Like none of it makes sense. It's all just baffling, and, like, but not even good baffling. Whereas, like, exactly. ra- yeah. I can still remember all. I like, I've only seen Dinosaur Boogaloo, I think twice, maybe three times. And like, there's all these moments from like where the indoor raptor is like at the end of the film, like on top of like the building, and it's like howling at the moon. Yeah. In the soundtrack, it's really intense for really no reason. And there's all these moments. And yet, like, there's nothing like, there's no moment like the indoor raptor winking into the lens when Leland Steinmeier trying to pull its teeth exactly. out. There is not even one moment in that like in, similar to that. And I'm just like, like, w- like, even Jurassic World had its goofy moments.
1: Yeah, absolutely. I, like
0: this didn't this didn't feel like a Travaro film. Like, say what you will. Like as much as I dislike him he at least has its moments of levity yes and there's none of that in this movie other than maybe where we have campbell scott not tim cook like just like going he starts just growling for no reason yeah
1: i wanted to ask you what is up with campbell scott's performance in this movie i don't i thought it was going to be like some reveal at the end because when we first get introduced to him well other than that little commercially does for biosyn at the beginning when we meet him in person like when um Alan Grant and Ellie Sadler get to um, uh, the Biosyn Arena or whatever the hell it's called, you know, Compound and he he meets them there he's acting like a total weirdo, he's saying um every other word, he's pausing he, he's saying, he's like talking to Ramsey and saying weird things to him there's even a point where he's like, well I gotta go, well do you have anything to eat, like one of my bars, never mind and it's like, and even the, our characters like note that, they're like, what was that you know, and then the next scene we see him in he's like fighting with, you know Um, B.D. Wong about the locusts and about pushing forward and stuff like that and he's totally composed he's not saying um he's not acting weird he's acting more like a villain and I'm like okay so you know something's gonna happen there right that you know he has he's acting one way for these people but he's really this maniacal you know mad scientist behind the scenes but then that dynamic just goes away and then in all the scenes where you know he's yelling at his what his his control room workers and stuff he's just as goofy and awkward again and then his whole death scene is so unsatisfying where he literally mm-hmm. looks at a dinosaur who is hissing at him and says what's your story and i'm like what the fuck does that mean <laughs>
0: <laughs> like that's the thing like it's not just it's not goofy it's inexplicable exactly exactly and, and that's and thing
1: unsatisfying
0: where... mm-hmm. <laughs> well yes that amongst many other things um but I think the thing is, is that like they want another corporate bad guy that people can like look at. Like think about it. Like, like ever since what the Hack Snyder Batman v Superman Dawn eleven uh, Dawn of nine yep. eleven, we had Jesse Eisenberg Mark Zuckerberg. Yes. And I think the problem is that like in tw- in the twenty twenties now, like we've kind of played Mark Zuckerberg being a supervillain into the ground. So it's like, who else is there? Like, who is that corporate entity that's a supervillain now? And I guess it's Tim Cook of Apple. Yeah. Because even like the Jurassic, whatever you want to call it, Biosyn compound is very similar to the Apple thing of like it being like the giant ring. Sure. And so like, I can only assume that whether it be Jurassic World 7 or whatever that the next what corporate villain's gonna be Elon Musk and it's gonna be somebody threatening to do a hostile takeover mm-hmm. of something that everybody loves. Like like clearly that's the next evolution in all this when it comes to Hollywood, like evil business figures. Yeah. Yeah. Because it's like it's so weird to look at this and be and clearly this is what they're going after. Like it's that tech conglomerate, CEO excuse me, CEO. Yeah. And it's just all of it's inexplicable. And then the one thing is the uh, going back to Campbell Scott is the the Barbasol can coming back.
1: Okay, I wanted to ask you, what is that from? I I could not remember watching the movie. That's
0: OG Jurassic Park with a Wayne Newton. Okay. Remember, remember he of. has the barbasol cam with the D like the DNA? And it's the same dinosaur that yes, incapacitates him. Okay. The one that spits like the goo on his face. That's right. It's coming and back. It falls to me now. like okay. down the little like mini waterfall. Mm-hmm. And I'm just like, why is why is that coming back? Why do we and, and like and it's clearly the same one because it's like it's on a shelf. Yeah. yeah. It's like you're telling me in thirty years you don't have any better technology than to store this stuff? <laughs> I would imagine all the information you would need could be fit on what? A micro SD drive now.
1: Right. Yeah. It's like
0: you could literally put it probably, I would imagine, on something that could fit under your fingernail. Never mind a physical <laughs> Barbasol can that's been hollowed out. Yeah. Um, like I I just like outside of it being an Easter egg. Has, serves no purpose exactly
1: yeah i i did not i was in the movie i'm like okay i know this is from some of, of the other movies but i literally could not remember where it was but now that you reminded me it came back
0: but but they also again do the thing where like it falls out on the little like uh what do you want to call it subway car yeah yeah and it rolls out and it's like clearly they want this to be a thing even if it's not touched upon until 10 movies from there mm-hmm, mm-hmm.
1: yeah I, I mean i'm with you i Oh God, Campbell Scott is so weird in this movie. <laughs> but you're right, the Tim Cook thing—I definitely got that. I mean, we, yeah, that, I mean that's just kind of like the the theme of these villains. They're always like the um, like the corporate entities, I guess. You know, other than the dinosaurs, because who's like the villain in the third one? Technically, I guess would be the dinosaurs, um, the spinosaurus or the, whatever it was. Isn't
0: the villain in the third one Sam Neil's partner because he steals the raptor eggs?
1: Yeah, yeah, I guess so. That yeah, him. Uh, yeah, the 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 dinosaurs and the um the partner. Yeah, I forgot about the partner. Um, in the second one, I guess it's the poachers. Like it's Maurice Fisher.
0: Yeah, Maurice Fisher is 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 the villain. And then
1: and and the first one, it I guess it's well, first one it's um I guess people's hubris or scientists' hubris. But yeah, I mean that's what they're going for. You know, these corporate overlords. Uh, speaking of that. I am shocked that they did not name this this big, bad new company that um, Campbell Scott is heading up. It's called BioSyn in the movie. I am shocked they did not call it BioSynGen as just a reference to InGen from the first movie.
0: I... I don't know. I think they thought they were clever calling it Biosin as an evil. Like, it, sure. it, it reminds me of that Spongebob gag, every villain is lemons. Yeah. <laughs> um, like, I'm sorry, like, clearly Biosyn is there. Like, I'm surprised they didn't just do it S-I-N. Yeah. yeah. Like, just, like, really <laughs> right. smack the audience over the head with it. But I, I don't know. Like, I... Like, there's so many things in this movie that they're trying to call back to. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And yet, at the same time, they're trying to do it very... Like, I, it, it feels like a movie that nobody wanted to have fun. They're like I I feel like the studio note that the madman guy was we got to tone it down. The other movie was yeah. too goofy. Tone yeah. it down. I totally, tone it down. I
1: totally believe that. Speaking of callbacks, I wanted to mention this um in the scene when uh the guy from the second movie who the CIA agent guy now, he's at lunch with um you know, he's like you're well, first, the introduction to them meeting is that she uh, Claire calls him and he's like, You're kind of a big person of interest around here, so I don't think we should be talking to each other. And he, she's like, We're outside, cut to them in public at lunch. And I'm like, Okay, yep, I guess, yep. I guess anybody can fucking take a picture of him now, and no one it, that doesn't matter. And when he's talking about how like they're doing the whole whatever plot exposition they need to go through about the deal in Malta, the CIA guy says, Like, Oh, we have a guy on the inside. He's someone you've worked with. And he says something like a lot of the people that were there at the original Jurassic World, we, they've like gone undercover for us. And you see him flip through his little tablet, and one of the people that he flips through yep, is Lauren yep. Lufkus from the first <laughs> movie. And I just want to know so bad how much she got paid for that just image of her being in this movie. I really want that information.
0: That that and Jake Johnson.
1: Yep, yep, absolutely. That's <laughs> but, the Chris,
0: that, That's the Crispin <laughs> Glover precedent, isn't it, from Back to the Future 2? Exactly. that like, can't You can just simply use someone's likeness without their uh, permission?
1: 100%. I really, I really, I, I noticed that, and I was like, okay, they're just jamming everything in here, you know?
0: But why, like, why would you, like— wh- Who would feel compelled to have them? Like, was anybody that walked out of Fallen, whatever, Order, Kingdom, whatever it's called... Really saying where was Lauren Lucas and Jake Johnson? Like was anybody being like, you know what? That's what this movie needed more of. Like that's the uh, <laughs> 9 out of 10. That was that one 10% spot that it needed to fill.
1: Yeah, it, and they're only really memorable from that one scene where Jake Johnson asks her out and she's like, no, <laughs> you know, and it's like, like I have a boyfriend. Yeah, and nobody nobody's thinking about that at, at the end of the second one. So speaking of speaking of that, I mean, we've kind of mentioned it a few times here or there like the lack of levity in this movie. It is very boring, like we said. It is it is very you know straight and narrow, but it it's not without, and I want to phrase this correctly. It's not without its intended comedic moments. You know, I don't believe that my audience laughed at a single intended joke in the entirety of this movie. What is what was your audience reactions like? Did even the even the Jeff Goldblum like Oh Jurassic World? Not a fan. I think maybe someone might have went like, huh. In response to that, in my theater, what was your audience's reaction like to those like I, intended moments of like those one-liners type of thing?
0: I recorded the audio for this hoping there'd be those moments. Yeah, I did. And I did too.
1: Was... And it kind of, I mean, it kind of sucks that there's no good response moments. But I have a pretty good clarity audio copy of this movie now.
0: Yeah. <laughs> Not that that's I worth will, a damn no, thing. Yeah. I. There was my audience was very subdued like okay, it, yeah. I mean like you, this was like it reminded me a little bit of the Matrix of uh, Resurrections and mm-hmm. that like it was a again half to at least two thirds full theater and nobody responded to Anything. Yeah. Okay.
1: That's what um, I'm going yeah. The,
0: the, the probably, the, I don't know if I'll be able to get the audio in for the recording. I'll try my best, but audience, forgive me. The best part of the movie, because as we watched, walked out, Rachel asked, like, oh, what was the best part of the movie for you? And this is what happened at the end. At the end, like, once, I don't even remember how the movie ends. Like, like, I don't know. Chris Pratt gives another head nod to the dinosaurs. They like run, like, run away. A big fish and, like, dinosaur
1: the, kisses a whale. That happens. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Oh, and a little girl feeds, feeds a, a tiny dinosaur out of her hand on the Washington Mall. <laughs> we see that hmm. happen
0: because of course we do but at the end obviously when the movie ends and like the like in the score starts like people started applauding and i'm like and i started like like audibly saying don't clap for this <laughs> it's like please don't clap and then the moment the clapping subsided i guess somebody brought some liquor into the movie theater so you hear a bunch of bottles just clanging together <laughs> oh,
1: that's good That's
0: good. and like it, like the sound like the fully like timing of it all was perfect because you hear a bunch of people clapping and so the clapping like subsides you hear just clang 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 (laughs) clank
1: that's good
0: clearly implying that you had to be intoxicated to enjoy this film at any level very Um, i'm
1: actually glad you reminded me of the clapping because very at the end of this movie when credits started to roll very scattered clapping seemed like one group was clapping very reminiscent of the time i saw um solo in theaters and one person when darth maul showed up went "woo." it was like that that (laughs) the movie ended and you just heard like maybe two people just like oh okay no we're not doing that (laughs) you know that type of thing (laughs)
0: yeah like uh, definition of subdued like nobody nobody cares
1: i think the biggest response um, my audience gave to anything in the movie was maybe like a, a group, a, another group of people. It was it was very close to an audible groan. I mean, it was audible, but it wasn't like a full groan. Like it wasn't like you know one of us going like oh that type of thing. It was more of like a oh like a like a sigh almost when. um Jeff Goldblum and, and our other main characters are leaving his conference and what uh Sam Neill says, like, how did have you two been in touch? And Laura Dern says he slid into my DMs. Someone oh, in my theater went, Oh. And I'm like, <laughs> and I'm like, yeah, I I a hundred percent feel that. It came across as so weird. Not only for the tone of this movie, but to hear Laura Dern say that. It's like Laura Dern, you're you're better than this. <laughs>
0: But that's like, but there's something that's so weird though, is that like, that's such an icky moment. Absolutely. Yep. Like, like when you were writing this, the the screenwriter, why would you want to put that in there? Like, is that there for the so the kids think that think you're cool? It's like, no, Laura, it's the Amy Poehler Mean Girls thing of like, no, I'm not a boring mom. I'm a hip, cool mom. (laughs) Yeah. yeah. It's like Laura Jones, like just because I have kids that are in college, I still sit there. It's like. Ooh, like, like it comes across as icky.
1: Absolutely, yeah. And I, I don't know why you, I, I can't. It's, it seems to to leave that in, and whatever th- thought you might have, like maybe it'll come across as a laugh scene. Maybe they're thinking it comes across as like a, oh no, we're hip, we're young. St- this movie's still for the kids, even though we got these old characters back. It, it's so misguided in any positive way you can think about that as a screenwriter. It just comes across as so misguided.
0: Like, it does. And again, misguided being probably the best word to describe all of this is that, like, again, it goes back to the Sam Neill, Laura Dern, and Jeff Goldblum. Like, part of me looks at this. I'm like, there's probably at least one good Jurassic Park movie, relatively speaking (laughs) to the rest of the franchise. That qualifier in there that involves just the three of them going on a dinosaur adventure.
1: Mm -hmm, Mm-hmm, mm-hmm.
0: And like I, again, Rob knows, like there's so many people on the internet beating the drum. They're so frustrated with the fact that we never got a contemporary Star Wars film with Mark Hamill, Harrison Ford and Carrie Fisher. And I look at that and I'm like, this is probably the best case scenario if you got all three actors in the same room together, like on screen. Sure, sure. Like this feels like a waste of those three actors oh, as these characters definitely. in the same film because like you can cl- like you've blown your cultural wad of saying oh you're reuniting the main three, yeah, yep. And it's oh, like so this would have been like, such a better movie if you had Laura Dern being the person who reunites the team and the film ends with we need Chris Pratt and Bryce Dallas Bryce Dallas Howard's help. Like, sure. this would have been so much, like, again, relatively speaking to the rest of the franchise, if they would have treated this film as not a quasi reboot, but just been like, oh, now that dinosaurs are in the wild. This is now blipping on Laura Dern and Friends' radar, yeah. And they now like, and that's the thing. Like, this would have been a great opportunity for that. It's that Pirates of the Caribbean two thing, where like, what's his name, Jeffrey Rush walks down the stairs, and he's like, "Now, what have you done with my ship?" If it's he, like, he bites into the apple, and like, cue credits, mm-hmm. and it's like, it would have been great. Like, you like set this up as like, "Oh, we're going somewhere bigger." Like, it would have been a great way to take that like oh God, falling energy of the third film in a trilogy yeah. and trying to spin it into something to get excited about.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Um,
0: I, I, I don't know. Like this is, it feels like such like a wet fart of a movie. Absolutely. Like it's just there. Like it's the worst. Oh God, like as much as we laugh at like the third films and like any sort of trilogy, this feels like just the most anticlimactic example because it, it just ends, it just ends. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. There's not even a conclusion to this, to this story. Like it, like you said, it ends with a, a whale and a dinosaur kissing underwater, and it's like okay, like so they all lived happily ever after. Like, like is it is this just going to be continued thing now? Like, like I said, is it going to be the CIA trying to wrangle this like as a thing?
1: Yeah, I mean, we I guess we should also mention that it, it also ends with uh, one of the ending things in that whole, well, one of the things in that whole ending sequence is Laura Dern and Sam Neill going to like testify against biosyn but like biosyn's defunct like campbell scott's dead like the,
0: who they... are you testifying exactly!
1: against? exactly that and i'm like and i'm like i guess you know maybe like the government want to understand what happened but they seem i think they say something like you know we, we we're testifying and it's like this needs to be done but biosyn is like no longer in existence at that point in the movie and dinosaurs seem to be happy i think even before that they say like the biosyn compound which was nearly destroyed is now like the uh, the dinosaur uh, sanctuary for the world, and it's like, okay, so like wh- who are you who are you suing, or who is going to like get government action put against them? Did they not know Campbell Scott's dead, and they're going to be like, the ruling of this court is that Campbell Scott can no longer create dinosaurs if he is alive, and it's like, <laughs> what what is the point of this?
0: Mm-hmm. Well, again, it's funny. At the end of this, I was also saying that like considering this is another universal franchise, like just put Vin Diesel in here and have like Ludacris and like all those other characters. Like I don't know who else is in these movies now, the the ghost of Paul Walker. Yeah, It's like – like just have them in this. Be like – have Chris Pratt be like, I need a team and it's like the only thing – Bigger than dinosaurs is family. Like, and, that, and that would
1: fit the motif of this movie so well.
0: <laughs> exactly. Like, that's a thing where like, just like do the Sony thing where they ran out of ideas. And they're like, we're going to make Jonah Hill and Channing Tatum, like, like men in black. <laughs> yes. Like, we're just going to sit there and be like, you know what? We've ran out of ideas. We're going to blatantly admit that that's what's happened. Like, that's like, like just do the thing. That's fun. Like hire a good screenwriter. That's good at comedy Lock Vin Diesel in the closet when they're sitting there writing the script, and just like let it be. Like, like I just don't know. Like, I'm
1: with
0: you. It's, it's like how do you make a boring movie about dinosaurs? Like, is that even possible?
1: Uh, I mean, you're you're right. I mean, the other movies have not been boring. I mean, God, it's been so long since I saw the second one, the the Lost World. But I mean. They're not boring. I have my issues with them. I think they're bad. I think they're you know their their messages are offensive to the human race. But yeah, you're right. This is the first one where I'm just like, oh my god, like get on with it, type of thing.
0: And it really made made me wonder that like like I get it. This is a franchise and it needs money, but like, it, like this is not how you go about doing it. Like Absolutely. I cannot imagine being excited. For another one of these movies after this, Cause, but like the weird thing too is that it's got like an A minus cinema score. Oh God, which is which is a good rating. Yeah. So I don't, but like this is also the weird thing about the contemporary like movie landscape, where like you have Top Gun Maverick that's probably going to be if not the highest grossing movie of the of the year, the very least the summer. Mm-hmm. Like that movie's on track to make like half a billion dollars in in the U.S. solely because it's just so ho hum. And, and, and it's weird to think of it that way. Like, we are at a point now where people just want movies to be not even just safe. They want them to be like vanilla. They yeah. just want them just to be the bare minimum. And, and and audiences seem to be like going toward that. And I just like it's weird to think that as, as dumb as Doctor Strange 2 was, at least it has Doctor Strange like possessing his corpse to fight the villain. Which I'm not, Rob and I have not talked about Doctor Strange two <laughs> at all, so this is my this might be a novel notion I'm presenting to the conversation. Yes,
1: yeah, I, do, I, I know like, barely any. Oh, well, I know certain things about Doctor Strange two, but uh, instead of going to see Doctor Strange two, everybody, I went and saw Cronenberg's Crimes of the Future, which was wonderful.
0: <laughs> I have to say, Rob's like instead of seeing Doctor Strange two, I decided to go to bed at 8 p.m. one night, and I got a nice, <laughs> I got a good restful sleep. <laughs> Rob's like I sat home, drank some tea, and went to bed. <laughs>
1: <laughs> oh, that's good. That's
0: oh, good. These movies, man. Like that's the thing. Like I, I really like. I think the again, I've said it numerous times. It's it's the the Batman v Superman conundrum. Of like mm-hmm. like as bad as that movie is, as nonsensical and bonkers, it's never boring.
1: Yeah, yeah. At least it's, it's not annoying. It's
0: frustrating. Yeah. It's at least something like you remember it like for better or worse. You remember just the nonsense of it all. And yet this is the same guy like like the re- like before we started recording, I told Rob, I was running a few minutes late. I was showing Rachel the book of Hank. Oh,
1: OK. okay. And like
0: if you honestly like watching these films over the course of back to back, you wouldn't know it's the same person. Yeah, like think about it. Colin Trevorrow made a movie where Sarah Silverman as Amy Winehouse cap- kisses an <laughs> underage child on, on the lips. And that is probably the least offensive thing in that movie.
1: Yeah, yeah, exactly.
0: <laughs> oh, man. Yeah, it's... I don't know. The, the madman's frustrating. Like, the madman, like, I don't know. Did they neuter him? Like, did they really... Like, is he in... Like, he you said, is he in director's jail right now?
1: I... I think... I think he was after Book of Hank, for sure. Um... Does he have anything on the books? Do we know? I remember seeing the, there's things on his letterbox that he's directing that are, you know, I can't, I don't know if they're like short films or something he's like, you know, tied to. Um, but do you know? Does he have any like projects or anything like that? There's up?
0: two upcoming projects something called War Magician, which okay. I, I have no idea what that is. And the other thing is Atlantis. It just says Atlantis.
1: <laughs> not, not even like, The Lost Empire.
0: No, 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 not not even the Lost Empire. Yeah, a war magician. Like, there's something. How the the, again, we all know IMDb being the bastion of truth. Of course, is there's an image. It says war magician. How Jasper Masculine and his magic gain altered the course of World War II. So I'm guessing it's some form of like historical fiction.
1: Okay. Okay.
0: I mean, so I don't know. Like, like I really like. I can't imagine him penning an original idea. No, anyone in Hollywood's gonna sit there and do this.
1: Yeah, yeah, exactly, exactly. But I, unless,
0: uh, unless it's unless it's Universal giving him like a like a pat on the back if this makes like a billion plus dollars.
1: Yeah, you're right. You're right. If this does well enough, and they're just gonna be like, okay, you know, you get you you get your your um your clout to do one more for us type of thing.
0: Yeah. Like that, that's the only thing I can think of with all this. That's, there really is nothing else. Because I'm trying to, because even looking at the writing credits for this, we do have to, uh, like, there is maybe one culprit as to why this is so bland, in that it's the co-screenwriter Emily Carmichael, okay. who, who as of a couple of days ago, might have been my favorite person on the internet due to how she dressed to the world premiere oh, yeah, of Dinosaur Six. <laughs>
1: yeah. Yep.
0: Like, Rob, can you please describe the outfit she was oh, wearing God. to the premiere? Because okay. at this point, like, it, if I look at that image one more time, it's going to be me staring into the sun.
1: I have to pull it up to, to remember it again. But from the time I saw it, when you sent it to me, uh, yellow comes to mind, right? <laughs>
0: <laughs> There's a reason why I said sun.
1: Yes, exactly. Yeah, so it's like it it's like beachwear. You know, it's like she's wearing what seems to be like a one-piece bikini with like a yellow trench coat over it.
0: Yes. And she has It's very like, flamboyant to like put it mildly. Yellow
1: though. They're not really Converse, but they're like yellow sneakers. Oh, they have little platforms on them. Look at that. Um but it's all yellow. <laughs> but it's all yellow. And uh it's very strange. It's uh, it's absolutely one of the weirdest things I've seen in a while. Standing next to Colin Trevorrow, who's in just a complete black suit.
0: That's, that's, like, again, the two horsemen of the Dino Apocalypse. <laughs> yes,
1: yes, exactly.
0: <laughs> and she's also the co-screenwriter of a Pacific Rim Uprising. Oh,
1: okay, okay.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: I never saw that one. <laughs>
0: mm-hmm. Okay, so I did some research on Colin Trevorrow's Atlantis. Okay. Um, The title of the article is... <laughs> Colin Trevorrow on his upcoming Atlantis film, quote, it's the only thing that equals dinosaurs for me. (laughs) Oh, God. Oh, my God. Just this, this, this give that man a pen and paper. That's all I ask. Don't let him near a camera. Just give him a pen sure, and paper. Sure, sure. <laughs> oh, gee. Fresh off finishing post-production on Jurassic World 6, Tre- Trevorrow was preparing to take audiences on another prehistoric sci-fi adventure in the form of Atlantis. Trevorrow will direct a script penned from Dante Harper, Alien Covenant. Okay, that's promising. Oh right. Based on a story by writer Matt Charbon from Bridge of Spies. Quote, for a generation right now to be able to enter a world that is not unlike their world, where their elders have basically given them a civilization that is dying. I think it's the right moment for that story.
1: Oh, yeah, that's definitely what I, what people want to see, you know, a reflection of the problems in our own lives. Oh, yeah, absolutely. OK, yep.
0: Rob, Makes it's either that or sense. giant locust eating the corn crops. Pick your poison.
1: <laughs> right.
0: Here's another one. I like, I like how all these articles about his career are phrased the same. This is from Deadline. Colin Trevorrow to direct Benedict Cumberbatch in Studio Canal's War Magician. Quote, fresh from wrapping Jurassic World Dominion, (laughs) Colin Trevorrow is set to direct War Magician, a Studio Canal drama that will star Umberto Cabbage Patch and E. Nicholas Mariani, based on the book by David Fisher. The pick is based on the wild story of Jasper Masculine, a British illusionist who used magic to defeat Erwin Rommel in World War II. Trevorrow's take features an international magic gang from Africa, Europe, and the Middle East who conspired with Masculine and a female military intelligence officer to defeat the Nazis.
1: Interesting. Okay. So, Rob,
0: which would you rather see a Colin Trevorrow magic World War II movie or see Colin Trevorrow talk about a doomed fictional society
1: i gotta go with the with the magic in world war ii that seems more of what i want from colin i want
0: anything that involves colin trevorrow and nazis i'm like right? there's potential for offensiveness
1: right for offensiveness i want colin trevorrow to go into it being like this is gonna be my inglorious bastards you know <laughs> and just see how hard he can fall flat on his face <laughs>
0: He's like, there'll be an illusion where somebody shines a right laser pointer and a Nazi <laughs> and they get attacked by dinosaurs.
1: Yes, yes, exactly. The tricks work
0: twice. It has to work a third time. <laughs> oh, my God. Don't let him near anything. Don't let him near any more movies. Um, I really don't have anything else to say about this movie other than just – it it it's the worst case scenario for a movie. It made me yeah. feel nothing. Yeah.
1: Yeah, I don't I don't think I have anything else up to say about it. I did want to ask you this. I know this is gonna be biased because the people saying this are not in the same mindset as you are, but um of course, um I've I've made no stranger that I'm on Letterboxd. and of course after I watched this movie I gave it the um you better guessed it, half a star, because I think I've given every Dinosaur movie half a star. Maybe—I don't know what I gave three. I'd have to look that up. But, of course, when I looked at the other reviews, I think when I checked last night after I saw it, this was sitting around, like, a low two, which is bad okay. for Letterboxd, you know? And—because the Letterbox average gets skewed by the people who give it five stars and then say, like, worst thing ever, you know, and then stuff like that. But a very common review, like, the phrase I kept seeing in there over and over and over as I was scrolling through reviews was— "Quote: This is the rise of Skywalker of the Jurassic Park franchise. Now, like I said, I think the people writing this are not mm-hmm. in the same mindset as you, being the the Star Wars aficionado and and you know fanatic that you are, but." I don't fully understand what that take means, and nobody seemed to expand
0: uh, on it. Oh, yes, it does. Oh, yes, it does. It's meant to be unsatisfactory conclusion to a trilogy. Is that
1: it? Because that's what I thought. I I thought I might be missing more, but that's it? Okay, okay.
0: Yeah, because if you've seen, like, again, oh, yeah, 100%. Like, to to say, like, it's very, you have to be in, like, oh, God, movie niche, like, circles to get that. But yeah, like when Spider-Man No Way Home came out in December, the big meme was like the thing from The Simpsons where like it's two random background characters, but it's the father smacking the kid in the back of the head and he's like, that's how you do it. Oh, yeah. And the father is No Way Home and the kid is the Rise of Skywalker. Yeah. to, To say something Rise of Skywalker, it means to be completely just out of left field, unsatisfying finale to a trilogy. Okay,
1: okay, Gotcha. To a story. Yeah, I was too bogged down in the Colin Trevorrow of both of these movies to. I thought there was something else going on. I was hoping there was something else going on.
0: <laughs> well, I will say that like there is some clickbait article out there where Trevorrow is being asked on the red carpet about like, oh, how does it feel that people like liked your script better than the actual film itself? And his and he's he's again, it's weird because the co-producer on these films is frank marshall kathleen kennedy's oh, husband yep, yep. so and the reason why he got the star Wars gig was because of frank marshall so no he's like no look i'm very thankful the time i spent on those like working on that film for like over a year like i don't regret a moment of it it was like even though i'm disappointed that my vision didn't come to reality i ultimately respect the process and uh, the collaborators i got to work with no he's like it feels like this film is his like maya culpa being like no 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 i'm not insane like i'm yeah, not bonkers like yeah. i can be a team player that this feels like his rebound to show that like he's one he's it's Google gobble one of us i would agree that's what the point of this movie is is showing like no no no, i'm not an outsider i'm one of you and, and i think like i said i think his cuteness with the jurassic world first film where like you have jake johnson sitting there wearing the t-shirt and him being like yeah this is what mattered not this new crap i think that is law lo- i think Again, seven years later, Trevorrow has learned he's no longer that person. Like, or if he even if he is, he can't be that publicly anymore. Sure, sure.
1: Yep, I'm I'm with you. I'm with you. And uh the only thing I, I'm I get why he would do that. You know, for a career move. But I would have loved to see. I think we both would have loved to see a much goofier, fun, more fun movie, a more engaging movie. And um, if they had let Trevor off the leash, I hope that you know someone at some point in this movie would have said the line, "I lost the Jurassic Park."
0: <laughs> <laughs> oh dear! Still, still, still a top ten line right there, that we never got to see. Yeah. Dom Hall Gleason saying that. Rob, how does it make you feel that the best, your favorite pieces of Star Wars dialogue are both <laughs> said by the Dom Hall Gleason character in Star Wars?
1: Uh, at least there's something positive I can say about Dom Hall Gleason.
0: Mm-hmm. <laughs>
1: But yeah, I think oh, that dear. was the that Letterbox stuff was the last one I I wanted to. Um to pick your brain on because you see it so much. Um, and of I will course, say, you know, course. if anybody um, – I I was really tempted. My review for my Letterboxd half a star rating was I was really tempted to be, come on, what else did you think I was going to give it? But I ended up <laughs> reviewing it as dinosaurs never existed. <laughs> <laughs> so I hope someone out there who doesn't know me, you know, just is scrolling through the reviews and sees that I gave it half a star and thinks that I gave it half a star because I'm adamant that dinosaurs are not real. Never existed. <laughs> But, yeah, that was the last thing I had.
0: I, I, I The last point I want to bring up is just looking at, like, what dummies in the audience think of this. Because on Rotten Tomatoes, it has a 78% fan score at the time of recording. Okay. Yet the Bastion of Truth, IMDb, has it at 6 out of 10. And I think it's probably going to hover it probably in the high fives, low sixes on IMDb. Rotten Tomatoes is such a dumpster fire. There's really yeah. no objective way to gauge that anymore. I, I don't know like this feels like another dis- like this feels like oh god um the secrets of Dumbledore um I'm trying to give another third film like like uh oh God like a Hunger games part three sure this feels like like the film that is like the quiet death knell in the franchise mm-hmm, mm-hmm. yeah I could see that like that this feels like very like this feels like Jurassic Park 3 like all over again in 2001 where like it's gonna make money. But they're going to need to sit there and figure out a way to revitalize exactly, this. Like yeah. They're going to have to, like, oh, God, uh, Robert Pattinson, Batman, this. Like sure. this, like As a way, like, yeah, like, the last one, like, yeah, The Dark Knight Rises made money, but, like, people aren't happy. So we have to figure out a way to sit there, and reinvent this, even if it takes a few years.
1: I do want to mention, I pulled up Letterboxd again. So I think it's, like, a little higher than yesterday. It's at a 2.6. A lot of people are giving it 2.5 and 3s. Yeah. Um, but I a review I did not see yesterday that I have to mention. From someone named from user Karsten, one star, this is the review. At one point a kid in front of me got so bored he started doing a headstand in his seat, which would normally be annoying, but in this case was the most entertaining part of the movie. <laughs>
0: fair fair i'll take that i'll take that that was interesting that 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 would be entertaining to me right
1: right oh and there's a great comment on that review user miles says that was me actually sorry about that
0: (laughs) (laughs) oh boy i
1: mean i I wanted i wanted another fallen kingdom we got something that i i'm gonna forget immediately
0: I like I just want like the problems that Trevorrow has done so I think about it. like we ever we never talked about safety not guaranteed but Jurassic World is such a just a unique presence in the filmscape and that it's a it's a blockbuster that hates its own existence yes yet makes no bones about profiting off of its success Fallen Kingdom order is like oh, let's do something different. Like, I'm Colin Trevorrow. I'm going to sit there turn, like, people think of dinosaur movies as this, like, vast, massive scope thing. But nope, I'm going to have the second half of the movie take place in a mansion. Yeah, yeah. And then the third movie is just him being like, I guess I have to play this safe. Like, everything that I thumb my nose out for the last, 10 years i have to now play into yeah, yeah. and that's what's so just dis- like not that, again i'm not rooting for him like the best thing that could happen is that he just like goes into hiding like a certain other uh director <laughs> that we ho- hold in high- yeah like yeah best case scenario is he goes into hiding and we never see him again for another ever but like i don't know like the fact that like he's gonna make movies like i don't want him to become a brett ratner like we don't need any more brett ratners
1: yep i'm with you i'm with you
0: Alrighty, rob with that being said are we ready for questions
1: yeah i think so i think uh i think i've been I, i gotta rack my brain for snacks but for the questions i think cinemodities and late night i'm gonna say the same for both and it's a no i think cinemodities the entire reason i say no is because of everything we've discussed in this and probably this whole discussion also led me to no for late night like there is no real reason to show this to people to watch this with people i mean There's no real reason to, like, you know, get on board with this in any way, shape, or form, I think. So I'm going no to both. What do you think?
0: Um, it's—okay, this is one where I'm going to mirror your sentiment. I'm going to say no. I know at some point I will rewatch it again, being like, it's a Trevorrow movie. There has to be some Mm, mm -hmm. perverse, redeemable aspect to this.
1: Oh, someone and, gets lit on fire in the um, black market escape scene. We didn't talk about that. That's that's kind of like interesting. <laughs> oh yeah, that, I I And he, he doesn't about. get lit on fire because he, he get lit on fire because he gets like knocked over by like a dinosaur. Well, yeah. I don't remember, but he falls into a into a fire and and then he like doesn't know stop drop and roll. Yeah,
0: I will say that I am going to say no to both, but I do think. The lady Asian lady Gaga. There is some really inexplicable moments with her.
1: Sure. Sure.
0: And the fact that she disappears is halfway through the film. Like she shows up for roughly 15 minutes and we never see her again. And she's just, and she's made out to be a very, she's supposed to be a prominent character, how the movie makes her out to be. Um, Like, I don't know. Like, I feel like at some point you and I independently will go back and watch this for whatever reason. And we will be like, well, it's not Fallen Kingdom or Book of Henry, but it has its moments of just, like, inexplicable nonsense. Okay,
1: we'll have to see. I, we'll have to see. Yeah, I guess I said,
0: no, I still think it's it's a no, but I do think we will go back to – we will revisit it at some point, whether it be five years, a decade from now, mm-hmm. and we will be like, it's, it's still Colin Trevorrow nonsense, just not to the highest levels it could be.
1: I see what you're saying. Yep. Time will tell. Time will tell. Indeed.
0: Indeed. Alrighty, Rob snacks. I'm just going to take, take the range right now. I just, I want to just, I want flambé crickets (laughs) or whatever you want to call these. I just want to light them on. I, I want as many of these things as possible. And I want to light them on fire. Like that should be an experience. Like, like same way. Like, like as Rob knows from his, um, oh god, inferiority complex music video, where Rob like bought like a bunch of crickets for like fifty cents.
1: It's cockroaches, I just, but yes, yes.
0: Okay, close enough. <laughs> and so. I want to buy a bunch of these and like get a flamethrower as an experience, in the restaurant and just light them on fire.
1: That's that sounds good, and uh, you know, once we can kill them, or apparently fire just puts them to sleep, you know, as we said, <laughs> um, then maybe we can also do uh, something that I know I've brought up before is snacks. This is also related to these these crickets, locust things. Um, I know I've talked to before about the the bugs that I've eaten, and one of them is the chocolate-covered cricket. And I know I told—I don't remember where this came up, um, but, you know, I, I tried one once. It's not really my favorite thing, and I've never really had the opportunity to try one again. But I think if you go to, like, zoos and stuff, they sell them there. Probably, like, weird museums and stuff. They're, they're definitely around. Hell, you could probably order them on Amazon. What am I talking about? Going to a zoo, you know? Um, but— You can DoorDash them from the
0: Bronx Zoo. You can (laughs) DoorDash.
1: Why is my local zoo on DoorDash, you know? (laughs) Um, But so my thought was just like how when you go to like those novelty candy shops, when you have like the – let's use the example that we've talked about in the past, Zach. When you have the regular size Rice Krispie Treats, but then you have the giant Rice Krispie Treat. Also, I'm thinking of when you have like the regular size Hershey's Kiss and you get the 10 pound Hershey's Kiss. I think that we should have, because I'm sure chocolate covered crickets are in the restaurant already, we should have the locust size version of that. Oh, and so okay. we're going to have one of these locusts just covered in chocolate and just that. I mean, it'll it's a dessert for the whole table right there. <laughs> that would okay. taste so much chocolate. <laughs>
0: Oh well, that's okay. But this is the thing, though, Rob. Like, this is where my part two of my snack comes in. Okay, okay. Is that like as we know, we can genetically alter any of this. Yes. So I have a question: Can we alter the DNA of like not just the crickets, but anything? like just use the crickets as the example here like there is a great great like mccormick season seasoning that i use Mm -hmm. it's like tomato basil and something pepper and i absolutely love it when i sit there cook chicken i want to sit there like oh god bioengineer these things to come predisposed like pre like living (laughs) like how is how is a giant locust is it born like is I, it, I really like, don't birth? know. I don't. I really don't know. But I everything want...
1: you're explaining to me sounds like tamako from The Simpsons right now. Yes.
0: <laughs> <laughs> Perfect. You figured out a verb to describe it. I want to tamako these locusts <laughs> with certain seasonings from McCormick. So when we roast them, we can immediately think about it. instead of having to pay a cook to prepare it. Yeah. We have it as an experience, and then you can just eat it. It's like fondue almost. Like think about it. You go to all these fondue places. You don't have to pay a cook to make it. All you're doing is paying a busboy to dice some bread. Yeah, yeah. It's perfect. And that's all I want to do. I want to tobacco these giant locusts. Because like the whole time I was watching this, I'm like, I, I ain't by no means like eating bugs. And all the time I'm watching this, like I just want to eat one of these on a stick. <laughs>
1: Yeah, I, I'm, I'm totally into that. That's That sounds perfect. Um, you know, pre-genetically disposed or pre-genetically, you know, engineered. Uh, cr- I'd say creatures. We could do this with a bunch of stuff we already have in the restaurant. Mm-hmm. Um, just, you know, you're bored. Like, you know, it's like, uh, Maisie, you were cloned from your mother's DNA and allspice. You know, that type of thing. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs>
0: Well, it kind of reminds me of like I remember as a kid, my mother explained to me they said like they made hot dogs with cheese in them. I'm oh, like, how sure. Does that work? Yeah. And now it's like this is how you do it.
1: <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Right. <laughs> I'm into it. I'm into it. Um, another one that I had was I'm pretty sure we had this already, which I'll, this is why I want to get it out of the way. I'm sure we had it from one of the other millions of times we talked about these dinosaur movies. Um, I would love to eat dinosaur meat. You know. Uh, because we see it in the black market scene. We see some dinosaur meat being spit-roasted, and I uh, would mm-hmm. just love to, you know, be able to sell that. And um, I would I would eat it as well. You know, I would... If somebody, you know, took DNA from these... Uh, the ceramic things we keep finding in the ground all over the world, if, if DNA was somehow in there, you know, um, then we could create a creature and then eat it. That's my M.O., you know? We create creatures that, to eat them.
0: <laughs> what did what the dinosaur thing, like, taste like, like – okay, Rob, uh, perpetuating the hoax of dinosaurs existing. <laughs> yes, yes. Like, the whole thing is that, like, obviously chickens are the contemporary evolution of all this. Mm-hmm. So, like, would dinosaurs just be, like, giant chickens –
1: that's what I would think, but we'd have to branch out and be like, you know, oh, we not just want only the meat. Like, let's eat the the brains, the eyes, the organs, oh, okay. you know, that type of stuff. The um, the feet, you know, like chickens' feet, eat dinosaur feet and stuff like that. Like, you know, use every part of the buffalo here.
0: <laughs> okay, gotcha, gotcha. We gotta be practical. <laughs>
1: yes, I think the as I'm, I'll, I'll keep thinking. But the only other one I had in mind uh, right off the bat was we sell on the menu. So, our, like on the menu item, it would be. um one of Campbell Scott's bars, but what's his name in the movie? Dr. Lewis Dodgson's bars. But since we have no idea what that is because everybody in the movie, Ramsey included, which seems to be his right-hand man, you know, has no idea what he's talking about in this moment, then we have that on the menu and if somebody ends up ordering it, the waitstaff kind of leans into the customer and kind of, you know, shiftily looks around and whispers, "Do you know what that is?" <laughs> Like, we'll serve
0: it to you, but we, we, you need to tell us what it is. <laughs> So it, it's the definition of like a, a mystery item.
1: Exactly. And it's a, almost a mystery item. And, and, you know, and maybe the customer will be like, I don't know. Is it like a granola bar? Like, because the customer is going to be taken aback. They're going to assume that the restaurant knows what the menu item is. And the customer is going to be like, I don't know. I, I guess it's just like a granola bar. And the waitstaff is going to be like, okay. And you're going to get like a wrapped Nature Valley granola bar to your table <laughs> type of thing.
0: Like, it's, it's the lowest. It's not even Nature Valley. It's the store brand.
1: It's like the Great Value, of the Walmart. Yeah, exactly. Exactly.
0: No, Rob, it's even a step below that. It's the Aldi's version.
1: (laughs) Okay, perfect.
0: It's like, what the hell is this? It's like, "Mm." it's it's whatever you want it to be. Yeah,
1: yeah. Uh, yeah, Concentrate or or a fig bar with no relation to Newton type of thing, you know? (laughs) Whatever the off brands are called
0: oh dear all right, rob do you have anything else about this dumb movie no
1: i don't i don't think so i think that was it do you have any other snacks or anything like that oh
0: nah, man this this was this is a dry movie Absolutely. this is kind of like i can't think of the. like this is this conversation in the movie reminds me a lot of lust in the dust it's mm. like it has all like on paper it has everything we could possibly want paul Bartel, divine um Gigli's like
1: mother laney kazan
0: <laughs> exactly like the idea of like like a western movie by paul Bartel. then we watch it we're just like it's kind of just vanilla like yeah. like it, it, it's it's though it's one of those things where it's like it's not just disappointment's bad the problem is that the higher it goes the anticipation and it's like oh geez like think about it, trevorrow hasn't made a movie since 20 what the uh, 2017, yep. the Book of yep. Hank. Like, think about it. this is his follow up to the Book of Hank, one of the most incredible films, the true foundation of cinematis.
1: Yep, absolutely. And
0: and this is his follow up. Like, this is very disheartening.
1: Yeah, it really is. It's a bummer. It's a bummer. So, with all that ending on that, that sad note, and uh, uh, we we should say maybe not end on a sad note, a happy note, there is no foreseeable dinosaur movies in the future, and I am quite content with that.
0: I don't know, Rob. Like, think about it. This movie probably would have come out in 2021 if it weren't for the events of the last couple of years. Sure. Like, what, what do you think the earliest reboot date for this is? Ooh. Like, it has to be, what, 2025?
1: I was going to say 2026, but... We're, i think we're close enough there that you know that's that's just well this we're, is, we're, we're this is my same. thing though
0: is that they have to have to get a movie in theaters for the 25th anniversary of the first film oh I didn't think and that would be 2028
1: been. yeah yeah
0: so oh, like man. oh no not 20 no no it'd be what the, no oh that's weird i'm sorry i'm losing my mind right now that's weird they there's gonna be nothing for the 30th anniversary
1: oh, 30th that's right yeah yeah
0: that's weird they're not gonna have anything for the 30th anniversary of the films i don't know they passed the twenty fifth anniversary without doing anything. I guess what Dinosaur Boogaloo was the twenty fifth anniversary. Yeah, yeah. Um. I don't know. That's weird. Thirty. Okay. I guess. I guess my mistake. I don't know why I'm losing my mind. Um. Yeah. I don't know. Like. I guess the second question is when's the earliest they'll reboot this, and if so, are they going to once again distance themselves from all the pre-established characters?
1: I I, I kind of think they. They're, they're gonna i feel like you know the next the part seven in this in this franchise is going to only reference part one and four type of thing okay
0: <laughs> i could see so them doing it, that yeah so we'll have to have like at one point laura durham will have a baby and be like oh laura Dern, you got pregnant again it's like no we just cloned a baby like yep, like yep. Maisie, who's now 35 did this
1: yeah yeah Yep. And I, I could see that that the, the, the legacy character they bring over in the new in the in the third reboot or second reboot, third part of this, whatever the hell you want to call it, would be Maisie, of course, because I think you know
0: the the, the literal most least interesting character in yeah, any of these yeah. movies. But she's
1: the youngest and so that that
0: seems Just put Laura Dern. Just like really have Laura Dern hooked up to like the animes and just have like <laughs> think Palpatine in yeah. the Rise of Skywalker to bring it full circle <laughs> that. Just have Laura Dern hooked up and be like now I died that once should before. have been the third
1: act of this movie. Um, uh, Attenborough, John Hammond on an animus, <gasps> in the center yes. of uh, of the of the bias. I, in he's uh, like
0: it's like everyone's <laughs> like John Hammond. I thought you were dead. I died once before. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> <Absolutely>. <laughs> I could give you
1: everything. Oh, that would be great. That would be great. But that's not what we got. Well. If, uh, if you want to, you know, complain about dinosaurs to us or, um, you know, uh, ex- uh, ex- you want to talk to me about how dinosaurs never existed, you want to commiserate about how everybody else is wrong and that dinosaurs are a fictional creation, you can always yell at us at, the, uh, cinemodities at gmail.com And if you uh, like what you heard or you want to hear even less about dinosaurs and uh, want some more episodes, then check out the Cinemodities Patreon, patreon.com slash cinemodities, where we have... Uh, going full force with uh, a bunch of fan requests. Uh, when this comes out, I think the last thing that we released was Ben and I discussed Robert Zemeckis' Beowulf. So uh, check that out. Um, other than that, Zach, any final thoughts for this episode?
0: No, um, just uh, took a brief break from the uh, Fort Month. Next next week will be uh, a certain anthropomorphic dog that <laughs> likes to solve like mysteries and cannot say um, the letter D. And then after that is again another anthropomorphic dog yes. that likes <laughs> yes. uh, hijacking things. Absolutely. So uh, if you know your two thousand two summer blockbusters, both of those should be pretty evident to you.
1: All right. Well then it all only remains. How do we want to end this episode? Do we have any, do we wanna just does, use does, the does, score?
0: <laughs> does it have to be bum 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 I mean, bum is there bum? Anything bum, else we have bum, to choose from? <laughs> I don't know. Like even the score in this, like Michael Giacchino is like so bland. Yes. Like the only interesting parts are the John Williams score and it's like, oh God, that again? Like how many times can we see this run that into the ground?
1: I felt the same way. Should we way.
0: say that – am I – like should we say that like this movie, once again, like where was Judy Greer? We brought back every character yes. in, in the Jurassic World franchise. Where was Judy Greer how in The King from Iron Man 3?
1: Yeah, how great would it have been if the undercover agent they meet in Malta was Judy Greer? <laughs> I would have loved that. <laughs>
0: Can we? Like, it's it's hard to think about now, considering that was what seven years ago. But there was a point where Judy Greer was in every single movie, right? Literally, like, literally like, every like movie. We, <laughs> exactly. Like it's hard to like. What we'll see her again later this year when we eventually talk about the hol- the contempt, the oh god, yeah. the most contemporary contemporary version of the Halloween franchise. Yeah, yeah. But like, man, Judy Greer. At one point, she was everything, and now like she's not in anything.
1: It's a bummer. She's great. She's great.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: yeah I guess play that in reverse <laughs> to undo the sins of this franchise I, I like that rationalization <laughs>